are on air. This is Monday night, September the 18th, and we're here for NASCAR's uh, Bristol 2 Race Review and Hot Topic Sound Off on Fan for Racing Radio. And now uh, Sal Segala will be joining us here shortly, but uh, I'm going to go over our agenda for tonight. In our first half hour, we are going to start with short track news and review the Arca Menards and Arca East Series race at Bristol Motor Speedway. We'll include a brief Arca West Series update. Next, we'll review the NASCAR Trucks race in Bristol, and afterward, we'll comment on the media interview with the NASCAR Xfinity Series winner, Justin Algauer, driver of the number seven Junior Motorsports Chevrolet. In our third half hour, we will, of course, review the NASCAR Xfinity and Cup Series race, the races that took place at Bristol, and then 10 o'clock is our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off with our Fan for Racing crew. But before we get into all of that, I just want to give our sincerest condolences to the family of Sherry Pollux. We were really saddened uh, to hear the news this weekend, just yesterday. It, it seems uh, unbelievable. But uh, she is a stalwart within the NASCAR circles. And uh, although I don't know her personally, uh, I know that she is an inspiration to so many people and um, she will be very, very much missed. So, again, our sincerest condolences uh, to the family and her loved ones, uh, and um, uh, we wish them the very best and blessings to all. Uh, All right. Um, On that sad note, we will go ahead and move on. Uh, I know Sherry was very much an inspiration to a lot of people. I've been reading all the tributes to her today, and uh, it sounded like uh, uh, she was um, someone who fought very hard under very difficult circumstances with her cancer, and it seemed as though um, she made a decision in her life to live uh, in spite of that. And so she did. And, again, it was very inspiring to see her uh, do as much as she did for the uh, Martin Truex Jr. Foundation and the catwalk. And, um, uh, again, I just think she's going to be very much missed. So our condolences, uh, again, uh, from Bamford Racing Radio. All right. Uh, While we wait for Sal, I am going to get into some short track news. One of the big news stories from this weekend is uh, the uh, Toledo Speedway, uh, the Glass City 200, and Jesse Love uh, came home with the win in the ASA Stars National Tour at the Ohio Half Mile. So Jesse Love has nine wins in the Arkham Menard Series. And for him to go out, uh, you know, they're going to race at Toledo. I believe that's going to be their season finale. So this was a good experience for him to get on the track and uh, to be a part of uh, that ASA Stars National Tour. Uh, And he beat some really good um, uh, people in that race. Uh, it was Jesse Love in first. Cole Butcher came in second. Chase Berta, Baba Pollard, Andrick Dim- Dimaguga, Austin Nason, 
Billy Van Meter, Scotty Tomasic, Gio Ruggiero, and Logan Bearden are the drivers all in the top ten. And I will add, uh, Noah Gregson came home with an 11th place finish. So it was a very, um, very impressive win for Jesse Love in that ASA Stars National Tour. Uh, so you can read about that over at uh, Racing America. And then another big news story that came out uh, this week is uh, Lane Riggs is excited for his Xfinity Series opportunity at Colleg Racing. He's going to run a limited schedule uh, for the remainder of this season with Colleg Racing. And, uh, again, you can read all about that over at Racing America. So uh, it sounds to me like it could be, and I'm speculating here, uh, but it could be an audition for maybe a future ride. We'll have to see how that plays out. Um, also, let's move over to Flow Racing and see if we can get into some of the short track news and some of the results uh, from racing this past weekend. Um the first round of Gateway Dirt National Modified Invite uh, were released. And, uh, again, that's going to be available over at Flow Racing. Uh, Brady Bacon takes down the 20,000 USAC Sprint Car uh, Hubstats Hustler. So uh, a big win there for Brady Bacon uh, as well. And let's see here. They've got some races that are coming up here. Uh, we'll go over that on Thursday. I really want to get the headlines here of what happened this uh, past weekend. Uh, well, here's something. Stuart Friesen beats Matt Shepard for third career Fonda 200 win. So Stuart Friesen came home with a nice victory. Uh, and I do see that Sal is here, so welcome to the show, Sal. Oh, uh, good evening, Sharon. Thank you. It's good to have you here. I wasn't sure how long you would be. <laughs> um, I want to yeah, get the. You know uh, just, I'm just. I'm driving a long way from work. And traffic okay. over here is just horrible. I don't. I, don't, I, I ain't gonna get on while I'm on the freeway. It's, there's just too much noise, and I gotta concentrate. I can't get in a wreck. Oh, I don't want you to get in a wreck. Are you on the freeway right now? No, no, no. I'm home. That's why. That's why I've been a, a few minutes late. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, well, you were at Irwindale no, no. Speedway this weekend, right? Yeah. Yes, I was. And Jacob Gomes came home with the victory. Yeah, he led all hundred laps. Okay, so he went that wire to wire. Funny. The only thing he didn't lead, he just missed on, on one restart. Um, Buddy Shepard jumped out in front of him, but by by uh, by um, was it lap um, lap by turns three and four, he had already regained the lead back again. So okay, and I know how did Nick Giannetti do? Because I saw he was uh, doing double duty there this weekend. Yeah, actually, Nick um, finished second. Yeah, Trevor Huddleston. Trevor Huddleston won the um, the prolate model race, so he broke Liddy White's. Um, Liddy White had 
so far he was undefeated this year in the in the Colate. So um, wow. Yeah, so he um, he ended up covering uh, up with the win. Nick finished second, and then uh, uh, Lenny White finished third. I see a lot of your photos up over at the website too, Sal. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, I have, I have a few. They're, they're still gonna put some. I still gotta set them some more up. And then on the modified end, um, Travis Thurkettle continued his his winning streak. So so far, Travis Thurkettle was undefeated in the modified uh, in the uh, modified over there at uh, at um for the SRO SRO modified. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, next race is October 15th, and that's at Kern County Raceway. Are you going? Yes, that's actually the same weekend of the um, of the ARCA. Um, the ARCA. Oh, that's um, right. The ARCA race in Las the Vegas. The ARCA race in Vegas. They're supposed to, what they're supposed to do, the reason why we're running on Sunday was they're supposed to run Saturday night. Not Saturday, but Friday night. They're supposed to run with the ARCA, and then they're going to run the SRL tour. But then um, TJ over there, at, uh, the promoter at the at the Bullery, kind of wanted to take things in his own hands, and uh, Larry and uh, Larry and Brian didn't like didn't like the proposal that uh, that TJ backed out on after he'd already agreed to it. He wants to change things up, so. Um, you know, they had their, they got their differences, so Larry and uh, SRL pulled out, so that's why we're running on Sunday. So rather than put the race back to Saturday night, they're just going to keep on Sunday because they're going to race Friday night and then travel from Vegas to to Bakersfield and then run on run Saturday night. But wow! So it's just going to be its own its own little little show on at the Bowling. Yes, indeed. Uh, okay, I'm, I want to finish up uh, maybe a couple other uh, articles here on the short track uh, side of racing. Uh, the NASCAR Advanced Auto Parts Weekly Series closed out. Cade Brown uh, closed out on Hickory Motor Speedway, the late model stock car champion, uh, by leading all five laps of that race as well. And I don't know if you saw it, but Jesse Love uh, won the ASA Glass City 200 this weekend. Yeah, he did. Actually, Noah Gregson was was uh, was part that of that race. Yeah, he finished yeah, he was the part of that race. Yeah, they uh, reinstated him, and then when they reinstated him, they're trying to get Noah to they're trying to put him in an ARCA car at uh for Vegas. But so far, um, I talked to Joey McCarry with Star Nursery. Um, he's reached out to him already two or three times. Noah has returned his call, so he's hoping that he will and that they get him in a car. They're going to put Kevin Harvick in a car, but um, Kevin backed out when uh, they they're, when they when they weren't running the um, they're supposed to run the Legends. So Keelan was going to race. Ke- Keelan was going to race the Legends, and Kevin was going to run the Arca car. But then when they pulled the Legend race out of the out of the schedule. Then Kevin backed out. Oh. And he goes, I'm not gonna. And he goes, I'm not gonna oh, race okay. Arca. So, but um, so there's a good chance that Noah that we'll get to see Noah race at uh 
in Vegas to see Las Vegas. How about? Yeah, they have a car for him, so uh, they have a car for him. So I'm pretty sure he'll probably he'll probably go ahead and uh, jump on it. Well, I hope he does. It's good to see him back out and racing again. Uh, and I think thing, that that will be good for him as well. Okay, we're going to go ahead and move over to the Arkham Menard Series. Uh, it was a double series, one race for the Arkham Menard Series and the Arkham Menard Series East. Uh, William Sawalich not only uh, won the race, but he won the Arca East Championship as well. Yeah, that was I don't know a, if you got this. I think I did. Did you watch it. it? Yeah. Yeah, you know what? I'm pretty sure I seen it. Um, you I know, yeah, I did see that. That's right. The teams app. Sound. Okay, I was just looking at that. Uh, okay, uh, let me see. Gosh. Okay, here we go. 50-minute segments throughout first half hour. We'll cover short track, and then next review. Oh, no, no, no. That's, that's for you, Yeah, Yes, right below it. It's below that. Yeah, okay, I see it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm, I'm, I'm ready. Okay. William Sawalich actually led the final line laps to earn his third Arkham Menard Series and fourth Arkham Menard Series East victory of 2023. And that was on Thursday night out at Bristol Motor Speedway. Um, I like that Thursday night race. Yeah, it's it's, it's nice because uh, it's not a weekend. And, and uh, you know, and, I, and actually I was able to watch it. But with that, um, Swalich's um, win locked up the 2023 Arkham Menard Series East Championship for himself and the number 18 Joe Gibbs Racing Team. At 16 years old, 11 months and 11 days, he became the youngest ever Arkham Menard Series East Champion by nine days, uh, beating out Harrison Burton, who had it at 16 years, 11 months, and 20 days when he locked up his in 2014. Okay. Uh, Jesse Love dominated Bristol, leading 152 of the race's 200 laps, uh, but he was passed by Sawalich on a restart with those just nine laps remaining, and he was forced to settle for second after Sawalich uh, passed him. And then um, Love unofficially extended his lead in the Arkham Series Championship standings to 131 points over Andres Perez, with just two races remaining. Love can mathematically clinch the championship if he leaves Salem Speedway on September 30th with the 99-point lead. Wow. Uh, Andres Perez finished uh, third, and that was his top five finish in his last five starts and his seventh of this season. And Jake Finch earned his best career arc of an art series finish in fourth. Finch won the Arkham and Art Series East Race at Dover Motor Speedway earlier in the season. Greg Van Alt scored his best finish since winning the season opener at Daytona International Speedway in fifth. 
he won at Daytona, but he came in fifth at uh, Bristol. So that was a good day for him. And then um, Connor Jones survived an early race damage to the nose of his car to finish sixth. His eighth top ten finish in eight starts in 2023. Landon Pembleton finished seventh in his first start for Mullins Racing and his first Arkham Menard Series platform appearance of this season. And Christian Rose finished eighth on the lead lap, his 11th top 10 finish in 18 starts this season. Rose has completed more laps than anyone else in 2023, 2,151 of a possible 2,224 laps. Yeah, he's, he's a good driver. Jack Wood recovered from an early race bout with the safer barrier to finish ninth. Wood was running behind Luke Fenhouse when Fenhouse had a right, right front tire go down. That forced uh, both to bounce off of the wall. Uh, so that uh, slowed everybody down a little bit. And then from there, then Fenhouse entered the night with the mathematical chance to win the Arco and Art Series Championship. But he finished 29th as the result of two separate instances of contact with the wall. He finished second in the, the Arkham Art Series East standings, 53 points behind Sawalic. Andy Jakowiak finished 10th, giving him his second straight finish in the top 10 at Bristol. He finished 8th at Bristol last year. And uh, Sawalic is a 20 fifth different driver to win at least one Arkham and Arts Series East Championship. Wow. The number 18 Joe Gibbs Racing Team has been on a roll. They've won the last three Arkham and Arts Series East Driver Championships, and the team won the 21 and 22 with Sammy Smith while driving under the Kyle Busch Motorsports banner. And then the... um, Arkham Art Series platform returns to action with a pair of races on Saturday, September 30th. The Arkham Art Series is in action in the Atlas 200 at Salem Speedway, live on Fox, Fox Sports 2 at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. The Arkham Art Series West closes the night in the Napa Auto Parts 150 at All-America Speedway at 10.45 p.m. Eastern Time, 7.45 p.m. Pacific Time. Okay, so next weekend we've got two ARCA races, so that's going to be fun. Yeah, it is. I, gosh, I know it's a, well, yeah, not this week, but yeah, but next weekend coming up. Gosh, I didn't even know we're getting close to the end of the month. And um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with, uh, with the um, uh, Landon Lewis since he, he lost his ride. And, oh, he did. Uh, that's, why he was, that's why. That's why he was in another car on um for the for the Arca East race. That's why he wasn't in his the seventeen car. Um, that's right. So, so I'm curious to see what's going to happen when when they come to uh, when they come out here to uh, All American Speedway next weekend and see what. See what if he's if he's even going to race or if he's going to have a car. And Bradley Erickson moved from uh, Nike Racing to uh, 
SPS, they just made the announcement today. So he'll be running for Joe Fari in the SPS. He'll finish out the season with, uh, with Joe Fari in the, uh, in the SPS uh, team, uh, Mark McCark. And that was who, Seth? Um, Bradley Erickson, who runs the, who oh, runs the uh, West Series. Yeah, who runs the West okay. Series. Wow. Well, it sounds like there's some changes coming up. We'll probably cover some of that in our preview show on Thursday. Uh, we mentioned the Arco East and, the, I mean, the Arco Menard Series and the Arco West. And we didn't mention the Arca East, and that's because they closed out their season at Bristol Motor Speedway this uh, weekend. And uh, so the Arca East is done for the season, and William Sawalich is the champion uh, in that series. There's a lot about him. Uh, if you want to see some of the race highlights, you can. the Reese Sweet move of the race was when William Sawalich passed Jesse Love. They also have the race highlights over there. Uh, Jesse Love came in second. And then they've got uh, William Sawalich's Victory Lane interview there as well. Uh, So a lot of race highlights and videos and articles. There's a lot of great articles here. Um, And so uh, it's uh, some really good stuff there. They've got the race uh, recap, they've got the race results, and uh, a nice uh, feature about him continuing the legacy of the number 18. I'm sorry, Sal. Yeah, it's going to be interesting with the Landon Lewis deal in the West because he's only one point behind uh, Sean Hingarani for the championship. Yeah, you want to do the West uh, standings first? Yeah, so Sean Higurani is leading that by one point over Landon Lewis. Um, Trevor Huddleston's in third, Tyler Rice in fourth. Bradley Erickson, who's switching teams from Nike Racing to uh, to SPS, is fifth. Um, sixth is Tanner Rice. Seventh is Todd Sousa. Eighth is Kyle Keller. Ninth is Eric Nascimento. And tenth is uh, Takuma Koga. That's kind of interesting because this will be the third. This will be the third driver driver team change in the Arca West of drivers that have raced every race because Tyler Reif went from Loudon Jackson to uh, Todd Sousa racing, and Tyler's mm-hmm. sitting in fourth in points right now. So he'll be finishing out the season with. Uh, with Tatsusa, the next season he'll be racing the full season also with, with uh, Tatsusa um, in the uh, Arco Menard Series. Wow. Uh, one thing I like about the Arco West, too, is that all 10, well, 11 uh, drivers have completed all eight races of their season so far. So, And it's a tight battle, a fairly tight battle compared to the others. <laughs> Yeah, it's gonna. That's why I said it's gonna be interesting to see how how Bradley fares in the in the SPS because SPS hasn't run an ARCA car. I don't know how long. It's been a while, long time since they ran an ARCA car. And um, well, it's, they're, like they're, they're, say, they're it's gonna be interesting. Yeah, their focus this year was just running um, pro late at the at the bowling over here in Las Vegas, and um, 
like I said today, I talked to Troy, and he, he then he put the after he told me, then he put the press release up to Bradley's board over too. Uh, so I gotta get a hold of Mike Nathan and find out what happened that uh, mm-hmm. that they didn't keep Bradley on, and um, and I'm curious what's gonna happen because Ron Hornaday is the one that's sponsoring um. Ron and Kenneth Horner are the ones that were uh, sponsoring um, Landon Lewis. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Okay. Um, now, in the Arkham Menard series, they've got 18 of their 20 races in the books now. And uh, there's just two more races left for them. We mentioned one coming up at Salem uh, on September the 30th. Jesse Love has the series points lead there by a pretty significant amount, but the battle is uh, further down the line. Yeah, Je- Jesse basically he's got this one. Yeah, he's JC got this has, one, I think. JC, come JC. Jesse has this one basically locked up. Um, I, I mean, he would have to majorly fold and and. Andre's president have to win the race. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I, well, and I he won the Toledo, which is where their season finale is. He won the race in the ASA Stars Tour, so that at Toledo Speedway, that's where they're going to have the season finale. So I think that's going to play in his favor as well. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, and. I'm curious where Jesse's going to go next year because there's already a lot of a lot of talk about him going to uh, about him going to trucks and uh, and some of the teams that have already that have already come up and offered him a you know a ride next year. He's not going. To, he won't be in Arkansas mm-hmm. next year. He'll be in a truck next year. Yeah, I, I fully believe that Jesse um, is certainly done extremely well in the series. And uh, he's ready to move up that ladder. So I wish him all the best. Also, um, do you want to go over the uh, top ten drivers here? Yeah, just on a quick note, his dad really did a, a good job by holding them back and you know, uh, you know, yeah. and not letting them, you know, you know, run wild. And because his dad is Duke uh, Dukela, which is he's a him and uh, Jeff Gordon are really, 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 really close friends. They grew up together in Napa mm. Valley, so um, you know, and 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 uh, Jeff was was part of the driving force when um when uh when, when Jesse was learning how to drive. So, um, like I said, you know, uh, uh, Jesse loves leading the points by 128 over second place Andres Perez de Lara, and then um, third is Christian Rose, fourth is Frankie Munez, who's been having his problems on the track. Um, mm-hmm. Fifth is John Garrett. Sixth is Brad Smith. Seventh is AJ Moyer. Eighth is uh, uh, William Sawalich. Ninth is to- Tony Breidinger. And the top ten is uh, Tim Monroe. Yeah, he's an Illinois guy. So um, uh, a lot of uh, good racing there. Uh, like I say, the real tight battle is uh, around that third and fifth place. Uh, third and fifth place is going to be a little bit of a battle, I think. Frankie's kind of uh, uh, 
lost momentum. He was doing really, really well. And in the last couple of races, he's kind of slowed down. He was in second place at one point. Yeah, I want, for a while he was leading the points, too. Mm-hmm. But, but then, um, you know, he, you got to win. In order to in order in order to win this series, you have to get races. I mean, Jesse Love with nine wins, what an amazing season! Yeah, it really is an amazing season for him, and uh, I'm I'm super excited for him. And and I can't wait to hear what team he does end up with. I've heard some rumors, but we'll see what the what the story is when they make the official announcement. Uh, but I, I fully expect him to be racing in the trucks for next season. Yeah, oh, yeah, he definitely will be in the trucks. Okay, so only two series now in the Arkham and Art Series still running, uh, and we have a champion in William Sawalich. Uh, but he's still running uh, some of these races for the Arkham and Art Series in the Arca West, so... Uh, we'll see mainly the Mark Arkham and Art series. So we'll see what he does for the rest of the year. Okay, we're going to go ahead and move on. So I'm going to, I've got the uh, notes here for, uh, we'll do the truck series first. And then I've got the audio uh, of the media interview with the Xfinity series winner, uh, Justin Aldauer, that we'll play in the next 15 minutes after we do this truck series review, okay? Okay. All right. We've got uh, at Bristol Motor Speedway in the UNOH 200, presented by Ohio Logistics, the race winner was Corey Hine. I hope you got to see this race. It was a good one. He's uh, age 21, uh, driving the number 11 Safe Light Toyota. Uh, of course, he's part of the Tricon Garage Group. It's Scott Zipadelli as his crew chief. It was his fifth victory in 38 truck series races and his third victory and 17th top 10 finish this season. Uh, at Bristol Motor Speedway, two races. Uh, it, this is his first victory and second top 10 finish. So that's not a bad average uh, for Bristol Motor Speedway. Christian Eckes finished second, posting his second top 10 finish in three races at Bristol and his 12th top 10 finish of the season. Grant Infinger finished in third, posting his seventh top 10 finish in seven races at Bristol. And Taylor Gray, who finished fifth, was the highest finishing rookie of the race. Uh, now, just to recap this, it was a dramatic late pass that gave Corey Hines the Truck Series win at Bristol Motor Speedway. After he stole a victory last Saturday at Kansas Speedway, Christian Eckes got his pocket picked by Corey Heim on Thursday night at Bristol Motor Speedway. Um, it was that uh, pass over Christian Eckes in lap traffic, just five laps from the finish. The win, again, was the third of the season in his first at Bristol and the fifth truck series win of his career. Eckes had to settle for second after a dominating race. He started from the pole. He won two stages. Uh, and led 150 of the 200 laps. Grant Infinger, as we mentioned, was in third. Then it was Carson Hostovar, Taylor Gray, Roger Caruth, Ben Rhodes, 
Chase Purdy, Nick Sanchez, and Matt DiBenedetto rounding out the top ten. There were four lead changes among four drivers and four cautions for 33 yellow flag laps, and the average speed of the race was 84.047 miles per hour. Bristol was the first race in the round of eight of the playoffs for the uh, truck series, and Heim was the first of four drivers to be locked into the championship four race at Phoenix Raceway. Um, Playoff drivers to not finish within the top ten were Ty Majeski and Zane Smith. Ty Majeski had a 19th place finish. Zane Smith came home 24th place. Uh, the margin of victories in this race for this race was a mere 2.218 thousandths of a second. Your thoughts about the top 10 finishers here? We had quite a few playoff drivers in that top 10. Yeah, it was a good race all the way to the end. I thought Christian Eckes was going to get it, and then when they went mm. when they went three wide with uh, with with uh, Gray at the top, the number 15. Um, you know, that kind of set the tone, you know, for um, for Corey Hive, you know, to get in there, you know, and get the win. Because afterwards, um, Christian had said, you know, that he felt that uh, – he said that Tanner he felt Gray. that Tanner Gray, who was – yeah, that he was, um, you know, two laps down, you know, that he – you know, he felt that he, he held up, you know, enough, you know, you know to where um, – you know, all that all that happened, Hein was able to get the win. But, you know, talking at the track with some of the drivers, you know, who had seen the race, and there's there's no way you, you anybody could have dictated that. That just it just it it just happened to happen like that. All the drivers said there's right. no way that Tanner could have could have known at the right time when to slow down and for all that to play into effect the way that that ending happened, it just happened that, that Tanner was at the top and, and people were there, you know, and, but I mean, you know, um, I thought Christian was going to go back to back wins, you know, but, um, you know, like you said, you know, Corey High went in there and stole the win, you know, um, you know, congrats. Well, you know, first and the second is not bad. <laughs> yeah, but, 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 but when you get the win, you know, and you're locked in, you know, plus you get the mm-hmm. win, you get the trophy, you know, and because and, um, Bill's got a lot of stuff going on next year, you know, with the truck team. You know, they're talking about a possible expansion and stuff like that. So this is really going to, you know, just really, you know, um, you know, solidify what BMR is all about. But like you said, it was good to see, you know, the top four spots, you know, being taken by by um, uh, by chase drivers, you know, and then Taylor Gray, you know, being the highest finishing rookie, you know, in fifth. Uh, Roger Caruso, you know, and right in there in sixth place. But um, this race was uh, – these guys got to start figuring out, you know what, maybe it's not a good thing to win the first two stages because it seems like that last stage is, is, where, they, uh, is where they falter for whatever reason. Well, I know that everybody's trying to get those playoff points. Uh, to get those extra points uh, that can make a difference between winning the championship and losing it. So I think that's what a lot of these guys are trying to do. But I, I hear what you're saying. You've got to have a car at the end of the race to be able to finish that race. So it's really important to take care of the car. Uh, oh, yeah. You know now what? Go ahead. 
No, go ahead. Yeah, I no, I I mean, you know, it's it, it, it just seems like throughout all the series, the driver that wins the that that dominates the first two stages, just has issues trying to try to you know get that last stage, you know, which is the which is the win. Mm-hmm. Okay, there were uh, 20 drivers who finished all 200 laps of the race, and then another uh, goes down to 33 drivers, so another 13 drivers that finished the race, but they finished a lap or more down. Three drivers had incidents that took them out of the race. Uh, the first is Jack Wood, who was out on lap 13 because of an accident. Then Dean Thompson in lap 14, probably the same accident that took him out. Uh, and on lap 140, Greg Van Alst was out. Uh, he had some brake issues that took him out of the race. So that was unfortunate because he had a really good ARCA uh, run. Uh, it was unfortunate that it, things didn't go as well for the truck series. Yeah, it's so fortunate, you know, you know things happen, you know what I mean? You know, uh, but um, you know, especially at a track like this, you know, you this track you need your brakes. I mean, it's not like Talladega and you know Daytona, you know, where you really don't need them. But Bristol, mm-hmm. you really need your brakes, you know. And uh, you know, yeah. I'm sure that you, know, you have a brake issue, you're coming in because you know you're you you're just going to be a weapon out there. That's true. Yeah. Okay. Um, I just, uh, the next race, oh, let's go over the driver point standings before we move on. All right, the, the points are, um, oh, uh, Corey Hyman still leading the points. Um, Christian Eckes is sitting at second. Carson Osevar in third, Grant Enfeger in fourth, Zane Smith is in fifth, uh, Bed Rose is in sixth, Nick Sanchez in seventh, and Ty Majeski rounds out the, the top eight for the chase drivers. And then from there, you go to Matt D. Uh, Benedetto in ninth and Matt Crafton in tenth. But, um, as far as the chase drivers, uh, Right now, it's uh, it's um, time of jet skis at the bottom, at the bottom of the pole. Yeah, the the eight drivers are time of jet ski on up, uh, but right now Nick Sanchez and, and uh, time of jet ski are below the cut line. Um, well, actually, four drivers are going to be eliminated now, right? Yeah, they're gonna yeah they're gonna eliminate yeah. four to go into the um. Uh, what do you call it? To go into the uh, into Phoenix. Mm-hmm. To for the championship four. So Zane Smith, Ben Rhodes, Nick Sanchez, and Ty Majesty are the four drivers that are below that cut line. That makes Corey Heim, Christian Eckes, Carson Hosevar, and Grant Infinger the four drivers that are above that cut line. So um, for the uh, <clears throat> NASCAR Truck Series. I don't think they have very many races left. I think uh, their their schedule is winding down rather quickly. Uh, the next race is uh, they get the week off 
Um, am I on the? I'm on the wrong series here. The truck series is going to have the next race off or the next week off, um, but uh, they still are going to be racing at Talladega on September 30th. The Love's RV Stop 250, and then Homestead Miami on October 21st is going to be the elimination race where four of those eight drivers will be eliminated before the championship four race at uh, at Phoenix on November the 3rd. Yeah, it's kind of so. It's kind of strange to see Zane Smith, last year's champion, below the cut line by 30 points. It is. You know, and then you know Ben Rhodes thirty five, Nick Sanchez thirty eight, and Ty Majeski thirty eight. So I mean, those four drivers still have a still have a chance of getting in. You know, of course, you don't win and you're in, but I mean, I'm talking about by points right. because, you know, I mean, Grant Infinger really hasn't had the strongest of seasons. Right now, it seems like the one that the two drivers that have really gotten hot is uh, Christian Eckes and Corey Hines. You know, and, well, and you've Carson got the wild Hosevar card just, of Talladega, huh? Yeah, and Carson Hosevar has just basically been kind of consistent. But yeah, like you said, you've you got been. the wild card in Talladega, so that's gonna, you know, that's that's gonna shake it up. Oh yeah, it's gonna be a deal breaker right there. And then after that is the 1.5 mile track that uh, the trucks do pretty well on those 1.5 mile tracks. So uh, that's going to be the deciding one. Uh, any any predictions you want to make here, Sal? No, it's, it's kind of hard. It's still kind of early. I don't know the trucks. I don't really. I I thought Zane Smith would would be would be a lot higher than where he is right now. I kind of thought Ty Majeski would have, too, because Ty was having a really good season. Me, too. Um, it seems like ever since they found his tire that was in violation with that valve stem, um, it seems like he has not uh, recovered from that yet. Yeah, I mean, he and he should be pretty good because he's had he's had DQs before in, in racing on super lates. You know, uh-huh. he's always come back strong, you know, you know, after a DQ, you know, he's always come back strong, you know, it's always been for something like that, you know, you know, like with, you know, with the, you know, putting something in the foul stem, you know, so the air will come out of the tire, you know, one time mm-hmm. it was a, it was a, it was a part that technically was illegal, but it wasn't illegal, which is a gray area part, but you know, Tizy is good at bouncing back, but I mean, this is a whole different series. You know what? It's the uh, competition is tough, and uh, you know, you got guys out of the chase that are trying to win, that are trying to win races. Still, you know, they still got sponsors they have to keep happy. Okay, um, and for Zane Smith, he had a late pit road penalty uh, that kind of cost him some points at Bristol, so that was part of the problem there. Uh, but what were your thoughts on the news that came out this week? No dirt at Bristol Motor Speedway for next season. It's going to be two concrete uh, races next year. I think that's great. I thought the dirt was just a – that was a major, major uh, – it was a major fail in my eyes. I just, I just I didn't, I didn't like the dirt race at Bristol. I didn't care for it. And you know what? And, and especially when you're talking about a chase race, you you don't want to 
you don't want to take a, a chase driver out of his element, you know, by throwing something like that in there. Mm-hmm. You know, I understand, you know, what NASCAR's trying to do, but you know what, these guys, they're asphalt drivers. If they want to, if they want to do something on dirt, you know what, put them all in sprint cars and take them to a, to a dirt track, you know what, and have them bang it out there. But you know what, don't, don't bring the dirt, you know, to a NASCAR track, you know, and, and try to make something out of it. Okay, and then also there was news about Zane Smith. He signed a multi-year deal to run a full 24 Cups uh, schedule with Fire Motorsports as uh, part of an affiliation with Trackhouse Racing. Your thoughts about that? Yeah, I thought that, that was good. I thought that was good. You know what? When 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 Colin has said, you know, they they had an open seat. I I thought that Zane might have gone to Colin. But then, um, you know, then they, you know, of course, you know, they filled colleague with uh, uh, Daniel Hamrick, you know, and then, mm-hmm. um, you know, so, I mean, I'm happy for Zane. You know what? He's put his time in, in the truck series, you know what? And, you know, he's ready to move up. I kind of thought he would have went Infinity, Infinity Racing first. But, you know what? Um, you know, the seat opened up. You know, he might as well take advantage of it. You know, and uh, oh, okay. I, think he has, uh, I think he has the talent and the, you know, he's a little bit more toned down than what Noah was going into the Cup Series. You know, I think Noah went on too much of a high, too much caffeine. You know, all the race wins, you know, being the, you know, basically the class clown, you know, and and, and Zane is a lot more mellower, you know, but I, I, I think it's going to be a good fit for him, and I think I think Zane's going to do really well in the, in the Cup Series. Okay, we're going to go ahead and move on to uh, the media interview. This will kind of lead into the Xfinity Series uh, review at Bristol. But Justin Algauer came home as the winner of that race. Uh, pretty happy about it. We have a, it's over 15 minutes uh, of the interview, but we're only going to be able to listen to maybe about half of that. And then Sal and I will comment after we hear the interview. Are you ready, Sal? Yeah. Yeah. All right. We now have been joined by our race winner, Justin Algar, driver of the number seven Brant Chevrolet. The boss man just left the desk, um, had a lot of great things to say about you, your team, and obviously this run for the championship. Um, got off to a great start tonight. So, Justin, talk a little bit about tonight winning at Bristol. But Bristol is a place you've had a win at before, but I believe this is your first night race win. It is the first night race win. It's also like 4,000 left let it go, too. Um, I lost the gray hair. Honestly, this has been the place that, uh, for me, has been... I love coming here. It's my favorite racetrack. I tell everybody that all the time. We've led so many laps. I don't know the stat exactly, but it's like an average of 135 laps led here. And I think we've led 44% of the laps in the last races. I mean, those are crazy stats to not win. And um, Jim Pullman and I had a long conversation in this offseason. We looked at the schedule and we circled Bristol. And we said, whatever we win before Bristol, we got to go do it. But Bristol's the one. Um, we've run way too well here. We have led so many laps here, and it's the start of the playoffs. And um, to, get, to get, you know, Brent Fresh and I, Colton Victory Lane, Rick and Sierra and Christy, they're all here this weekend. I've won in every car we've run, except for here this year, it seems like. Um, just 
this racetrack and to win here at Bristol. I mean, there's just nothing like it. So great race today. Um, you know, Jim Pullman did a fantastic job with the, with the race strategy. I got to race the Bachman, which was so cool. I mean, you know, we had all five of our two motorsports cameras were really fast. Obviously, not to end a, a result for, for the other four that we wanted, but um, to see the speed that we had and to be able to race with the boss the fans. I mean, they were going crazy in a green when Dale was leading. I mean, I don't think there was a lap that Dale led that they didn't stand up, and he led for a while. So it was pretty, pretty incredible to um, race at a, at a venue like we had tonight, and you know, it was it was really special. All right, we're now going to go to questions for Justin. If you have one, raise your hand. We'll get a mic too. We'll start with Stephen Stephen with CBS Sports. Justin, uh, I remember your first career win. You were at Bristol uh, back in 2010. You were on the defensive in that race. You had to drag your guts out to hold off Brad Keselowski in the final lap. This time around, second win at Bristol, you were the aggressor. You were on offense. You had to take the win from Daniel Hemrick, and you took it. Uh, at what point in your career, in your career at this level, did you develop that skill to be able to, you know, take a race like that and take it to the final lap? Well, first of all, Daniel did an amazing job tonight racing with me because he raced me hard, but he raced me ultra clean. And, you know, with Bristol the way that it is and the lanes that we're running, you know, I was pumped that it, it widened out. I mean, we ran the bottom, obviously, but a lot of those guys were running the top and you were you're constantly splitting back and forth and going through lap traffic. I think I've learned all the ways to not win one here. Uh, <laughs> that's how I did tonight, going, up, going back from all those races that we weren't able to win and, and just – you know, methodically thinking about what it was going to take. But but honestly, you know, Jim Pullman put me on the offensive because we came down with 50 to go, you know, a 20-lap deficit for some of the other guys on tires. We already knew that our car was fast. Um, but you don't really know how far through the field you're going to be able to go. Started clicking them off. When I got the six, um, I think I was behind uh, Ryan T. We got the six. And that was the point where I'm like, all right, I can do this. I, I know we Like, I know we've got the speed. We can go up there and we can catch these guys. And uh, I got to Daniel, and I was running the bottom really hard. He was running the top really hard. And I just got the tires really hot. And, and I was stuck behind him, and I couldn't get clear of him. And I'm like, man, I don't know what I need to do. So I went to the top and kind of cooled the tires back down, and, and that was the difference maker. Cooling the tires back down, being able to make that late race charge. You know, once we got clear, I think uh, I think the tires, the deficit on tires for those guys really showed through. But, man, it was uh, – when, when Eddie DeHaan said clear – it was like this weight lifted off my shoulders because I knew, I knew once I cleared him, he wasn't going to pass me back, and that was that was a really cool moment. Um, I think it was 18 to go or something, and uh, I knew it was over at that point. I, this is the only thing you, with 10 to go, I heard every um, sound. I had every thought that there was going to be a caution. I'm waiting for the caution to happen. Guys were getting into each other. It's sliding around, and I'm like, oh man. When we hit the white flag, it was like, all right, the pressure's off. We got this, and uh, it was really cool. This one moves you on to the round of eight in the playoffs. Uh, list them out. Vegas, Homestead, Martinsville. Which, which of those three racetracks do you feel the most confident in that you can do all this of again? And all of them. Um, I look at the speed that we've had at those three racetracks. I mean, Vegas is this thing this year. I think we had a really fast race car, and we spent up the road maybe and came back to finish second. Uh, Homestead, Barham, obviously, we've been ultra, ultra successful there. We've had really fast race cars. Um, Martinsville, we've had, you know, a lot of success there. It's another short track like here at Bristol, obviously a lot different than Bristol, but, you know, but the biggest thing that I think we have is we have momentum on our side, right? We were able to go into the next two 
And, yeah, we're going to focus on those areas. Just, you know, get more bonus points, see what we can do. But that allows us to kind of open up our game plan and look at the three races where these other teams are going to have to really focus on the next two. Um, you know, tonight uh, tonight went our way, but tomorrow night or, you know, next next Saturday may not or Saturday after that may not. So, you know, we, we need to make sure that we're doing all the right things. And, and if we can't win, we need to we need to have a good all night and put ourselves in a position to win. And, and I think uh, regardless of tonight, we did that all night. We executed well. We, great, we, we, we did the strategy right. And if we didn't win, honestly, I was going to be okay with, with the way that we called the race because I thought it was the right way to do it. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you. All right. We'll come up front to Bob. Uh, Packers, Fox Sports. So what did you do tonight that you haven't done in the last 20 or four races? <laughs> uh, I won. That's what I did. Um, no, honestly, the biggest thing for me was I think in the races past, you know, we've led so many laps. And inside of that 50 to 75 to go is where it kind of all went awry, right? Tonight, we talked about it before the race. And I, Listen, this thing ain't over until the checker flag falls. And anything can and will happen. And we got to make sure that we don't – we can't beat ourselves for a minute. And Jim Bowman was tantamount on making sure that we did not make mistakes. And, um, and it was good. It was really good. And the strategy, I mean, with tires, I mean, that was, that was incredible. I mean, that was, that was the right call. We were the only ones coming up the road. And uh, it was cool. I think the, the part for me tonight that was different, I'm watching how many cars were lapping on each one of these green flag runs, obviously long green flag runs. I'm watching the cars that were lapping, and I'm going, man, there's not going to be many left on the lead lap. And, you know, ultimately I think there was 14 or 15, whatever it was, whenever we got the, whenever we came out of this. But, you know, that's, that's doable. If there was 30 or 35 on the lead lap, we were probably in trouble. But with 15 on the lead lap, we were able to drive through some of them and obviously uh, get the results. Okay, Sal, your thoughts about Justin Algar's win and his comments afterwards. Yeah, it was a it was a good win for him, you know, and it's when, you know, like he said, you know, he's wanted, you know, it's always escaped him, you know, and and you know, the work that he put into you know, to get this win. You know, but you know, just to hear, you know, the you know to hear him, you know, just you know, so much all the drivers, you know what, just to get the win during the chase, to lock yourself into the next round, you know, is big. You know, and he he realizes, you know, how big this not only what it's to get the win you know, but to finally get that Bristol, you know, like, I guess when they go to, uh, um, uh, was it, uh, Martinsville, you know, you know, where they get the, you know, the big miles, the, you know, he's holding the car, you know, they put the car in the hand and all that, which is really cool. And then I don't, I know a lot of drivers like the Nashville win because of, uh, because of the guitar that, you know, that they do you know, where Bristol is just because, you know, it's it's Bristol, you know, it's a tough, it's a tough track to win at, you know, and uh, the drivers talk about how tough it is to win there. You know, he talked about how tough it was to get that win. Mm-hmm. But congratulations, Justin. He's put his time in, you know, what, and, and, you know, he really likes this series, you know what, um, you know, and, and, you know, congrats once again. Yeah, it kind of tickled me, his comment about, I think I've learned all the ways to lose at Bristol. Uh, so it was just yeah. a matter of time before I got to how to win. Um, so, yeah, this was a big one for Justin Aldauer. I also liked his confidence in the upcoming races. 
in the playoffs. He feels pretty confident that uh, he can be a contender at all those races. And uh, um, the relationship that he has with Junior Motorsports has been uh, really good. I, it just makes me, uh, you know, Justin Algauer is a good example of a driver that came down from the Cup Series and came to the Xfinity Series, and he's done well. He's back to winning. He's uh, he's uh, a contender just about every week. And uh, I, it was just a smart move for him to do that, and I'm real proud of him. Yeah, you know, this uh, this just might be where his, where his niche is, you know, just like Ron Hornaday. You know, Ron Hornaday, you know, went and, Michael Waltrip, you know, they dabbled, you know, in, in a different series, but yet they both went back to trucks, you know, because trucks is where their strength was, you know, and you got to race where your strength mm-hmm. is. You know, I mean, yeah, everybody exactly. wants to race on Sunday. I mean, that, that's the goal is to race on Sunday, but you know what? Would you rather race on Sunday and, and not be productive, or would you rather race on Saturday, you know what, and, and get wins, you know, and, and you know, and, and contend for championships, you know? Um, you know, but like I said, I know most drivers are ultimately goal is to race on Sundays, but you know, it didn't bother Ron Hornaday or um or Michael Waltrip, you know, to you know, continue exactly. Matt Crafter the same Matt Crafter the same thing, you know, Matt Matt stays, you know, where he feels he's competitive at. You know, so he, he you know, Matt been in trucks, you know, a long time. Yeah, he also gave a lot of credit to his crew chief, James Pullman, uh, for making a call when nobody else was on pit road. He said they were on pit road, and it was it turned out to be the right call. So I was glad that he recognized that call by his crew chief, James uh, Pullman, as well. Yeah, he he gave he gave kudos, you know, all the way around, you know, all the way around the board, you know, which, you know. Um, you know, which is good, you know, I mean, you know, that's why I say, you know, he appreciates, you know, what he has and, you know, and, and, you know, and he's not, he's not overshadowed by any other drivers, you know, what? you know, yep. I don't know that, that team just, that team just seems to click, you know, and, uh, you know, it's just going to, yeah. Okay, uh, let's go ahead and talk about that Bristol uh, uh, Food 300 for the Xfinity Series. They raced on Friday night. The race winner, again, was Justin Algauer. We just heard from him after that win. Uh, At the age of 37, driving the number seven Brant Chevrolet, you mentioned that the owners were there uh, that day, too, so that was cool. Uh, and they're part of the Junior Motorsports Organization, and James Pullman is his crew chief. It was his 22nd victory in 432 Xfinity Series starts and his third victory and 16th top 10 finish this year. At Bristol Motor Speedway, he started 23 races, and this was his second victory and 15th top 10 finish. Daniel Hemrick, uh, I thought he was going to win it, but he had to settle for second. He posted his sixth top ten finish in eight races at Bristol and his 14th top ten finish of the season. John Hunter Nemechek came in third, posting his third top ten finish in four races at Bristol. And Chandler Smith was uh, fifth. He was the highest finishing rookie of that race. 
and uh, I'll go. I'll give you the um, uh, recap of the race. Justin Algauer uh, clinched his spot into the round of eight on an ambivalent night for Junior Motorsports uh, because the other team members all had problems. Uh, Justin Algauer took advantage of a brilliant strategic call by crew chief Jim Pullman to win Friday night's Food City 300 at Bristol, the first event in the Xfinity Series playoffs. After making a late race pit stop for four fresh tires, uh, Algauer raced through the field to win the Xfinity Series Food City 300 and uh, led a race-high 110 laps and won the second stage, picking up six playoff points to take him into the round of eight. It's his third victory of the season and the first at Bristol in 13 years. Daniel Hamrick actually led 33 laps late in the race. He ended up finishing runner-up after losing the lead with just over 10 laps remaining. Uh, John Hunter Nemechek, as we mentioned, finished in third uh, with the pole, with pole sitter and stage one winner Cole Custer uh, coming in fourth and Chandler Smith rounding out the top five. Then it was Ryan Sieg in sixth, Trevor Bain, Riley Herbst, <coughs> excuse me, Sammy Smith and Kaz Grala rounding out the top 10. Junior Motorsports teammates, Sam Mayer and Josh Berry, I mentioned they had trouble. They tangled in lap 168. They collected Brandon Jones, another junior motorsports car, and all three cars failed to finish. Later in the final state, two of Sheldon Creed got into the rear of his RCR teammate, Austin Hill, ending his night. So other playoff drivers and finishers, uh, Creed ended up in the 11th. Parker Kligerman finished 31st. Hill, 33rd. And Mayer, 35th, with Josh Berry just behind him in 36th. There were eight lead changes among five drivers and six cautions for 48 yellow flag laps. The average speed of the race was 82.521 miles per hour. And um, it's uh, really amazing. The links aren't working here. Uh, but what are your thoughts about those top ten finishers? Yeah, it was neat to see, you know, like, like we talked about, you know, just to get the win, Daniel in a second. You know, John Hunter Nemechek, you know, continues to be the, seems like the class of the Xfinity Series. This year, you know, Cole Cusser continues, you know, his, um, you know, his drive to hopefully, you know, win a championship, win a championship this year too. You know, finishing in the in the fourth spot. Um, then you go down. Riley Herbst had a good finish. You know, after what happened last week. You know, finishing mm-hmm. finishing in the top ten and eighth. And uh, um, Sheldon Creed just outside of uh, just outside of the um, outside of the top ten in the eleventh spot. Um, it's going to be a good fight to the. It's going to be a good fight to the, um, to the, uh, you know, to the next round, you know, because they're going to not take another yeah. four drivers out. And, um, yep. You know, it's it's a uh, it's a it's a close battle, you know, between you know some of the drivers, you know, in that in that, um, you know, in the in the, you know, heading up to the uh, to the cutoff race. 
Yes, it is. Uh, they're in the round of eight right now. They uh, they eliminated four drivers from the round of 12. Uh, the next two races, again, are Texas Motor Speedway on the 23rd. And on October 7th, uh, their elimination race will be on the Roval at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Uh, then their playoff round of eight, um, that uh, that happens uh, with three races at Las Vegas in the middle of October. Then you've got Homestead, Miami on the 21st, and Martinsville on the 28th will be the elimination race there where they pair it down to just four drivers for the race at Phoenix uh, early in November. Um <clears throat> Now, uh, in this race, about 14 cars completed all 300 laps. Uh, Then you have to go down to uh, 29 drivers, uh, finish the race running, uh, but ended up running one or more laps down. Several drivers had issues, as we mentioned. Timmy Hill uh, had problems uh, with uh, the rear gear. He was out on lap 81. B.J. McLeod uh, lost power on lap 117, taking him out of the race. Uh, on 166, it was Sam Mayer and Josh Mary taking Mary taking each other out. Uh, the two, the pair of junior motorsports drivers, uh, but they uh, also messed up the suspension on Brandon Jones' car, and that took him out of the race on lap 178. So three junior motorsports cars all finishing at the end of this race. Uh, in uh, back in the field. On lap 217, uh, we mentioned the dust-up with uh, Sheldon Creed. Austin Hill ended up finishing in 30. He, he was out on lap 217 because of the damaged vehicle policy. And Jeffrey Earnhardt uh, was uh, out on lap 229. He had issues with his brakes. And Dale Earnhardt Jr. had a Real weird uh, situation going on with his car. There was a problem with the ignition. Uh, I guess it was a, just a really small part uh, that took him out of the race on lap 271. And thankfully, uh, he was okay because there was fire in the cockpit. And uh, actually, uh, his fire suit caught fire. So I know NASCAR is looking at that and trying to evaluate what happened there. Uh, so that uh, the driver's uh, safety is, of course, their their utmost concern. The the margin of victory here was 1.695 seconds. So. Wow. <laughs> that was a lack of a lack of a um <laughs> a margin of victory there. I mean, you know, it wasn't. Yeah, it was. Especially for Bristol. Especially for Bristol being. You know, a small track, you know, a close track like that, you know, and yeah, you know, it was uh, that was a that was a good little uh, lead that we had there at the end. It was. <clears throat> um, you want to go ahead and cover the driver points here. This was their first race in the round of twelve. Yeah. So uh, the standings is uh, Justin Algaier who won. He'll be advancing to the round of eight. And then behind him is uh, John Hunter Nemechek, Cole Custer in, in uh, third, Austin Hill in fourth, Chandler Smith in fifth, <clears throat> Daniel Hamrick in sixth, Sammy Smith in seventh, 
Sheldon Creed in eighth. And then the drivers below the cut line is uh, actually Jeb Burton and uh, Sheldon Creed are both are uh, are both at mm-hmm. minus four, so they're both tied. Um, and then from there you go to Sam Sam Mayer in tenth, Parker Klingerman in eleventh, and Josh Berry um, is a, is your twelfth driver. He's twenty four points out from the cut line, so it's still early. You know, there's still you know. Uh, you know, there's still what three more races left for them before you know they, yeah, they go to the Yeah, that does really hurt them. Yeah, so I mean, you know, they're they're still right there. You know, uh, you know, whoever's below the mm-hmm. cut line, you know, they're not that far back. So, <clears throat> you know, it's just that um, uh, Cole Custer, John Hunter Emacek just really is, you know, have have distanced themselves, you know, for the for the rest of the field. So. Yep. Raleigh Earps is holding on to number 13 right now, so I think that's good, too. Okay. Um, I want to look at the news here in the Xfinity series. Uh, Lane Riggs is the big news here. Uh, He's going to compete in multiple races for college racing. He's going to make his debut at Texas this weekend, but I believe he's got some other races he's going to be racing in as well. Yeah, and then um, Interstate Batteries is sponsoring three cars. Three Joe Gibbs racing entries this this week. Um, uh, Wow, that's that's a lot of uh, cars they'll be on. They'll be on uh, they'll be on the 20 of um, Christopher Bell, the 54 of Ty Gibbs, and uh, who's the other guy with the yeah. Probably, I imagine it doesn't say. Well, sometimes they have a, um, a, a guest driver, I think, in one of those cars. Uh, but what were your thoughts about NASCAR not uh, racing at Road America in 2024? You know, I thought, I don't know, I thought that was kind of kind of a little bit strange but you know what i i mean you know i don't know you you gotta wonder what's going on with you know with all these changes all of a sudden you know with uh, like you said you know them not racing in you know 2024 you know taking the dirt out of uh out of um out of bristol you know and and what's you know what's really going on here with the you know the series as a whole you know, NASCAR mm-hmm. as a whole. I, I I know they're trying to change things up. You know, they're trying to keep the fans interested. But um, you know, the Road America well, race is heard, a good race. I heard that they might even be trying to bring back Chicagoland Speedway, not for twenty four, but maybe in twenty twenty five. It's just a rumor at this point, but uh, it's going to be interesting. Uh, I know a lot of people are upset that they're not going to be racing at Road America. Uh, It's one of the nicest facilities um, there. But uh, we're going to talk about it on Thursday night. If you have any thoughts about that, put it in our Teams chat so we can represent you on our Thursday show. Yeah, you know, it's kind of like, you know, like to kind of throw it out there, too, Um, uh, 
you know, since they did run Nickfinity there, but nothing's been said about uh, Auto Club Speedway. It's just, yeah, it's dead. Well, you know the schedule's going to come out sometime, I think sometime this week. If not this week, next week for sure. And I don't, I don't think they're going to be on it because they had already started tearing it down. So I'm not sure if they have – I haven't been by there to look to see if there's even anything left, you know, for them, you know, to have a race or if they're just going to, you know, because I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's crazy because they brought they brought the clash back for next year. Yeah. You know, they made that announcement. I saw that. They'll have the clash back. Yeah. Yeah, so that's going to be neat for us. But – um. You know, they haven't, you know, usually, you know, they talk about, you know, what's what the progress is with the Auto Club. And they built it last year and even sold memorabilia, you know, at the last, you know, the last two-mile race. There. So I guess mm-hmm. we'll wait to see when the schedule comes out, if, if they put it back on the schedule or not, you know, as, as another right. two-mile race. But, but um I'm not even sure what's going on. I haven't, I haven't been by there. I haven't seen it. I gotta ask my buddy. He lives, he lives close. He lives close to the track. I should ask him. Well, keep your eye on the news this week because I think the schedule is coming out. So yeah, we'll know more than Yeah, I mean, because they haven't. You, you usually they would announce a replacement race already for it. Oh yeah. yeah and they haven't. So you know. You know, those are you know say, hey, you know what, um, this race is gonna is gonna um, it's gonna um, you know it's gonna be in place of Auto Club, you know, but they haven't said nothing, so I guess they're gonna run Auto Club. I don't know. The track obviously is still there, still intact. So okay, well, we'll see what happens. Uh, let's go ahead and move on now to the uh, Bristol uh, Bass Pro Shops uh, night race. Uh, the race winner, of course, was Denny Hamlin at the age of 42, driving the number 11 FedEx Freight Direct Toyota. And uh, that was for Joe Gibbs Racing and crew chief Christopher Gabehart. That was his 51st victory in 643 Cup Series races, his third victory in 14th Top 10 finish of the season, and his third victory in 17th Top 10 finish in 33 races at Bristol. Kyle Larson came in second, his 10th Top 10 finish in 15 races at Bristol, and his 15th Top 10 finish this season. Christopher Bell, who is the pole sitter, uh, came in third. He posted his third top 10 finish in five races at Bristol. And Ty Gibbs, uh, running in fifth, was the highest finishing rookie of the race. Um, I There for a while, he was in the lead, and I thought he might have a chance of winning this race. It was kind of fun to watch. Um, just to recap the race, uh, Denny Hamlin dominated and advanced to the round of 12. He landed a knockout punch in the race uh, for uh, for Bristol Motor Speedway. And regular season champion Martin Truex actually survived to fight another round. Bubba Wallace rescued himself from the brink of elimination from the playoffs, and he advances to the round of 12 by four points. Um, the win... 
again was Denny Hamlin. Kyle Larson came in second, followed by Christopher Bell. Then it was Chris Buescher, Ty Gibbs, Michael McDowell, Chase Elliott, Brad Keselowski, William Byron, and Ricky Stenhouse, Jr. Hamlin had a dominant light in the race and led a total of 142 laps on the night. The start of the race was delayed by 30 minutes because of light rain. There was also a 14-minute red flag for rain just before the start of Stage 2. The drivers that are advancing into the round of 12 were Kyle Larson, Denny Hamlin, Tyler Reddick, William Byron, Christopher Bell, Keslowski, Busher, Kyle Bush, Ryan Blaney, Chastain, Martin Truex Jr., and Bubba Wallace. Eliminated from the playoffs were uh, Joey Logano, Kevin Harvick, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., and Michael McDowell. Uh, Bell dominated in the early part of the race. He won both stage one and two. There were 10 lead changes among six drivers and six cautions for 54 yellow flag laps. The average speed of the race was 94.99 miles per hour, and the margin of victory for this race was 2.437 seconds between Denny Hamlin and Kyle Larson. Your thoughts about the top 10 finishers, Bill? Yeah, you know, this is, uh, you know, you got your four, you know, you got your four uh, playoff drivers, you know, to take the top four spots, you know, and it was, at, you know, but then especially with this being, you know, uh, uh, elimination race. Um, gosh, man, it, you know, it, it kind of hurt to see Kevin Harvick, you know, you know, not, not, you know, not make, not, you know, not advance. Yeah. And Truex looked like he was on the ropes. It looked like he was not going to make it at all. I mean, he was just really down and out. You know, he ended up getting in. You know, uh, but um, I don't know. Um, Danny he Hamlin, ended up you know, finishing 19th. Yeah. Harvick, uh, I think, yeah. finished further back. Harvick was in 29th. Oh, he finished laps down. Mm-hmm. Harvick was like, yeah. uh, I don't know, he was like five five or six laps down, Harvick was. But, um, yeah, he, just, he, he said it was the worst uh, Bristol car he's ever had. Yeah, and um, you know, and it was sad, you know, to see him go out. And on the course, you know, Joey Logano went out with that wreck. I Joey mm-hmm. was one of my picks to win the to 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 win the championship this year. Him actually, him and Kyle Busch. So I mean, Kyle's still in it, but um, I don't know. Bubba Wallace got lucky and, and advanced, and and I mean, him him and Danny Hamlin are two peas in a pod. Their their interviews are just so. Horrible. Well, I they mean, both got booze this weekend. That's oh, for I know, sure. you know, and and they both they both played off of it, you know. And I mean, Danny, I can see he's a little bit more better driver than Bubba, but I mean, Bubba, you know, I mean, you know, I don't know. I I don't. I there's a lot of people saying that they that they can see Danny win the championship too. I just don't. I just don't think it's going to happen. Um, well, he usually sabotages. That's going to be the key. Uh, if he sabotages himself, uh, then that's going to be he a will. problem. Uh, but, yeah, it I depends. 
in the past you know, he's he's not had the emotional maturity to do it but we'll see maybe maybe there's some good things that have come out of uh his season that maybe that emotional maturity is there but in the past i'm just talking about the past uh his emotional maturity has sabotaged him every time i i just i don't know i just i i think Kyle Bush i think this will be Kyle's year. I mean, and then it could be William Byron's year too. William Byron, I mean, he had a top ten, another top ten. You know, well, Carl Larson's got the momentum right now. Yeah, oh yeah, Carl Larson definitely does have the momentum, and uh, it's, it's going to be interesting to see. You know, as the, as the you know, as the, as the weeks um, as the weeks uh, progress. Yes, it's going to be really interesting. Okay, now for this race, there were only 10 cars that finished all 500 laps. Uh, then you go down to uh, the 32nd car, Austin Sendrick, uh was running at the end of the race, but he was more laps down. Uh, four cars here were out because of accidents, beginning with Ryan Newman. He was out on lap 260, Justin Haley on lap 261, Joy Logano on 262, and Ty Dillon on lap 263, all out because of, uh, it looks like all accidents uh, right around the same time. So that's unfortunate for those drivers. Uh, Joy Logano, the worst hurt of the playoff drivers. Kevin Harvick, uh, five laps down, he ended up in 29th. Ross Castain finished 23rd. He was a couple of laps down along with Ryan Blaney in 22. Kyle Busch finished 20th. Uh, he was two laps down. And Martin Truex Jr. finished 19th. He was two laps down. Um, Bubba Wallace in 14th and Tyler Reddick in 15th, which kind of surprised me. I thought Tyler Reddick was going to do better than what he did. Um but we'll see. Like you say, it's still early, and, and maybe he'll come back. Uh, but he's already secured his spot into that next round. So we'll see what happens. Now it's uh, Tyler yeah, Reddick and Denny Hamlin, right? Yeah, exactly. Anything else you wanted to say there, or do you want to go to the point? No, that's probably it on that. <clears throat> Okay, then we'll go to the point. So we go to the points. Um, like you said, Kyle Larson's carried the momentum. Um, so after Bristol and and the and the elimination, you got Kyle Larson leading the. Um, after they reset, he, he's uh, um, eleven points ahead of second place Danny Hamlin. And then, um, then third place you got Tyler Reddick, who's also another one that's that's kind of been silent, having a really good. Uh, he's had he's got a lot of momentum going going with him. Too. Uh, then William Byron, where are you reading that? He's got that? five wins. This, oh, okay, uh, I got it. I'm reading it from yeah. You're reading yeah, there before you know, he's the reading point the other. reset. No, no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm reading after Bristol. Okay. I'm reading standings after Bristol. Okay, because I thought you said the... Kyle Larson was in first. 
Well, that, well, that's how they have. That's how Jayski has them over here. Okay. Well, actually, should be William. Actually, actually, should be William Byron. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Now we're on the right track. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. So. Okay. So, anyways, let's go back to to what to what they're going to go into next week. Okay. So. Right. So. So William Byron. Okay. I'm sorry, Sharon. So anyways, um, we got okay. we got Will Byron leading the points. Yeah, Will Byron leading the points. Martin Truex, actually him and Martin are tied because now that they reset, Martin gets those all those um, playoff points back, and um, right. he's not out of the out of the he's out of the in the back of the pack anymore. Then um, third, you got Danny Hamlin. Fourth is Kyle Larson. Fifth is Chris Buescher. Sixth is Kyle Busch. Seventh is Christopher Bell, and eighth is Tyler Reddick. And so far, those drivers that are that are behind the cutoff line would be Ross Chastain in ninth, Brad Keselowski in tenth, Brian Blaney in eleventh, and Bubba Wallace in twelfth. So this is this is actually yeah, only fourteen points back. Yeah. yeah, so a lot yeah. can change. We we'll have to well, see how he, it plays out. Yeah, he's 14 points back from the cut. Bob Wallace yeah. and then Brian Bainey, 60 point, six points back from the cut. And and Ross and uh, Brad are both tied. Actually, Ross, Brad, and yeah, Ross and Brad are both tied at, at three points yeah. back. And then Tyler Reddick is on the, on the bubble at three. Christopher Bell's at three. And, um, uh, and it's funny because everybody talked about the playoff points, you know, that you know, hey, you know, he's basically, you know, Martin Truex is locked in, you know, to the end of the, to the, you know, until they get to the final four. And man, he had those two bad weeks and he almost didn't make it in. Yeah, I know. It was scary. Um, all, yeah, all, he, he all really had playoff, a couple of bad races. Points. Yeah, I, I mean, Met you're allowed nothing. one mulligan, not two. Yeah, that, that yeah, second I one. Know. Yeah, that well, second one had to be low the Yeah, oh, yeah, that second yeah. one, he was. He was below the cutoff line. He wasn't making it. Okay. So, uh, well, now they're going to head into the playoff round of 12. That starts at Texas Motor Speedway this coming weekend on on Sunday the 24th. Then they go to Talladega, the wild card, on October 1st. And the Roval, the Charlotte Motor Speedway Roval on October the 8th, will be an elimination race. Uh, that will determine which eight drivers will move on to the round of eight. Uh, Those three races are Las Vegas Motor Speedway in October, then it's Homestead Miami on the 22nd, and Martinsville on the 29th is the elimination race that will tell us who the championship four are going to be. Do you want to make any predictions there, Sal? You know what? I think it's, I don't know, I, I still think, I still think Kyle has a lot of a lot of uh, drive, a lot of fuel in his tank, and him being a past champion, you know, I I, I think Kyle will be one of them that'll make it. Um, of course, William Byron, you know, he's William Byron and Kyle Larson. I think both, and the fourth one is going to be a toss up. I don't, I don't technically you have to you, you have to put all your feelings aside, you know, and say, you know that. You know the Denny Hamlin. You know he's been having a pretty good season, but I I just mm-hmm. don't 
I think he's gonna I think he's gonna cave. I really do think he's gonna cave. I, I I think I think he's way overconfident right now. I think he's he's riding that wave of you know, well, you know, I got the best where of he you know gets into trouble. Yeah. That's exactly. where he and, gets into and, uh, trouble when he has that overconfidence. Yeah. Yeah, and I think right now he's you know he walked off the you know, off off from that win in Bristol. You know, and and he had to say so with the fans. You know what? And went you know went home and said, yeah, you know what? They thought they got the best of me. You know what? And and I got the best of them. And and I, and I think when he gets together with Bubba and, and they you know they break down. You know what happened at the race? And him and Bubba are going to get together. And Bubba, oh yeah, they booed me too. Did you hear me? You know, I told him you know that you know I love that kind of stuff. You know, it fuels the mm-hmm. fire. And, and and I think those two are just going to self implode. And I and I. I don't think Bubba's going to make it to the to the next round, and and I yeah. What are doing? What they did. have to do to try to build up their confidence going into this next round, but um, uh, and I can't blame them for doing that. I mean, if I were in that position, I'd be trying to deflect all of that as well. But I I do I do hope that maybe they there's some maturity there, but even the way they're handling the situation. Um, with the boot, it, it makes me skeptical. So we'll see what happens. I hope you I'm know, wrong. Because I, I mean, you know, there's there's other drivers, you know, that have gotten booed. You know, they just keep on walking. You know, I, I mean, look at Joey Logano. Yeah. How often he got yep. booed, and and he never went on the microphone and said, "Hey, yeah, come on, you, you know, I, I just, you know, I just beat, you know, yep. your favorite driver. Which one was it? All, all of them." Joey never did that. You know, yeah. he got the booze. He just kind of looked and said, you know, hey, you know, they're booing me. You know what? And he walked away, you know, and laughed. But, I mean, when you deal. start playing into it, when you're yeah. playing into it, 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 they're in his head. Yeah. They're definitely in his well, head. Well, we'll see how so, it plays out. We'll see how it plays out. Yeah. And, uh, 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 and see how that goes. But, uh, Sal, it was good having you on the show here tonight. And uh, we will definitely look forward um, to having you back next Monday night when we review the races at Texas Motor Speedway. All right. Sounds good. Okay. Um, All right. Good night, everyone. Have a good weekend. Yeah, be safe, and we'll talk to you next Monday. All right. Thanks, Sal. Good night. Okay. Good night. All right, it's the top of the hour. That means it's time for NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off with our fan for racing crew. Andy was going to be here tonight, but uh, something came up, and at the last minute he's not able to be on the show. But we do have, uh, and I wasn't sure he was going to make it, but he did. Jay Hughesman, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Sharon. Uh, Yeah, we got done a little earlier than I expected, so... uh able to hop on here, and I know there were some great hot topics I definitely wanted to talk about. Okay, well, we've got a list of them, and also here to talk hot topics tonight is Mike Rozelle. Welcome to the show, Mike. Hey, good to be here. I am indeed here to talk some hot topics. All right. There's only one topic that's off limits, I guess, and uh, you guys can go ahead and I guess give your thoughts on it, but I know uh, uh, Brian has said he definitely wants to talk about uh, Road America on Thursday. 
I'm, a, I'm okay, going to hold that until Thursday. we got plenty of other ones to talk about tonight. Okay. You okay with that, Mike? Oh, absolutely. we got a ton to talk about. There was a lot that went down this whole week. Okay. There's there, and there's more uh, that's coming. So, Jay, I'm going to let you pick our first hot topic tonight. Well, the first one, I, and I know I didn't have the chance because I really wasn't expecting to be look, uh, on tonight, but I know Mike had it as far as the popularity of the race, and there was some feedback on that. Um, as well as then who got eliminated, I guess. That's what I'd tie into it. Who got eliminated and who moved on, and the thoughts on that real quick. Okay. Uh, yeah, this was an elimination race. Uh, so four drivers uh, did not make it into the next round. We were just talking about that. Uh, those four drivers were Ross um, – no, I'm sorry. Those four drivers were Joey Logano, Kevin Harvick, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. and Michael McDowell. A couple of surprises and a couple of uh, maybe expected. I'm not sure. What are your thoughts, Mike? Well, you, can't, you categorize them as surprises. I don't know that I necessarily would call anyone eliminated in that round an overwhelming surprise. Uh, we kind of expected Ricky Stenhouse and Michael McDowell to find their way out in this round. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Unfortunately for Michael McDowell, the track assortment in this first round does not really suit his skill set, but if he had made it into this next round with Texas, Talladega, and the Charlotte Roval, that would be right in his wheelhouse. Unfortunately, things didn't mm-hmm. work out for Michael McDowell in the number 34 team. So he, for the second time, he makes his early exit from the round of 16 in the playoffs. Ricky Stenhouse is But he had a one. good finish. This is getting, he did. He did. But he couldn't overcome the deficit that he had from – the previous two races, and, oh, oh, by the way, entering the playoffs without too many playoff points to really fall back on either. He uh, he just could not overcome that, and he was eliminated. Ricky Stenhouse continues the unfortunate trend that we've had really ever since Denny Hamlin won the race in 2020 of Daytona 500 winners being completely irrelevant in the playoffs, no shows through the regular season, and then eliminated in the first round of the playoffs. Unfortunate, but that's kind of the way it goes. Now, the two that I believe you probably were referring to when you said surprising were Kevin Harvick and Joey Logano. Remember, I I called Joey Logano as my quote-unquote surprise out for this round, and it kind of panned out exactly the way we expected it. Maybe not necessarily getting caught up in a wreck in the first third of the race at Bristol to really solidify the deal, but he really – he didn't have a great showing for the entirety of the playoffs. And then Kevin Harvick with Stuart Haas Racing, the issues at SHR have been well documented throughout the year. Harvick has been somewhat of the bright spot at SHR, but he's just barely struggling to keep his head above water there. And unfortunately, all the Stuart Haas Racing cars were lousy this week. Ryan Priest was probably the best of a lot, but he only finished, what, 13th or 14th at that Harvick was running multiple laps down the whole race. He ended up finishing deep into the 20s or even into the 30s and didn't even really make an effort. Well, I'm sure he made an effort himself, but in terms of the performance of the car, there was really no effort to to try and keep that car in the playoffs. And therefore, your 2014 Cup Series champion uh, will most likely uh, miss out on his chance to ever win a second Cup Series championship unless he decides to pull a Tom Brady and unretire at the end of the season. That's going to do it, and Kevin Harvick will retire a one-time champion. Okay. 
yeah, I would agree with you uh, with regard to all of the people that were eliminated. I got to give kudos. I give a little bit of kudos to Michael McDowell. I know uh, <clears throat> he tried to do everything he could in that Bristol race, uh, but we all know it's not just one race. It's all 26-plus races uh, that make the difference for, for these drivers. And the big lesson, I think, for Michael McDowell is he needs those uh, playoff points uh, when it comes to this playoff time. Uh, and that's really – you're right about Ricky Stenhouse. Uh, there is a trend of drivers who win the Daytona 500 that do not make it uh, beyond the first round of the playoffs, and, and he's just uh, a victim of that as well. Uh, Kevin Harvick, uh, I saw glimpses of him kind of coming back. Uh, he's in an organization that seems to be faltering all the time, uh, all this season, I should say. And uh, he's been the bright spot uh, for uh, Stuart Haas racing this season. Uh, and uh, it was just, he said he had the worst car he's ever had at Bristol Motor Speedway. And it, it, he just couldn't do anything. He was five laps down. And we know that that's not the way Kevin Harvick races at Bristol Motor Speedway. Um, I'm sure it was a huge disappointment, uh, but if you don't have the car you need in order to compete, uh, there's no way you can compete for a championship, and and that's the situation for Kevin Harvick. Uh, Joy Logano got caught up in an incident, though, um, that took him out of the race that was not of his own doing, and uh, I kind of felt bad for him because um, – uh, he, he wasn't having his best race at Bristol Motor Speedway, uh, but to be taken out because of somebody else's uh, uh, slip-up uh, just seems unfortunate for Joey Logano, but uh, that's what happened. And so you've got two uh, former champions that are out of the playoffs in the first round. And uh, to me, that is a little bit of a surprise. I would have hoped that they could have gone a little bit further um, but it, you know it's it's uh it it is what happened um so we'll i guess we'll talk about the positive side this is just the the negative side of it we'll talk about the positive side on the next round jay <laughs> what are your thoughts All right, well i'll do the, yeah i'll do the same thing i'll start at the bottom michael mcdowell uh i get where you guys are coming from with the trend of daytona 500 win uh Oh, no, sorry, that was Stenhouse. Michael McDowell this year, getting in on a win, um, they showed improvement. The, uh, last year they got in, they won the Daytona 500, and nothing much else throughout the year as a whole as far as looking forward to something in the playoff run. Um, this year they were consistent. They were there in points, granted, be it right on mm-hmm. the edge or in that area of points or not, but picked up a victory. So there was at least that hope. Um, if you will. And again, you, you mentioned it. I mean, at Bristol there, running six, just wasn't able to overcome the deficit from the first two races there. And I think, as Mike pointed out, just not having a, a bunch of playoff points built up to try and protect that. Next to go to Ricky Stenhouse. And this is where I was going to say, I, I see the trend you're all talking about as far as win the Daytona 500, and that's it for the year. You get in on that ride, or that ticket, but nothing else. When you look at JTG daughter and Ricky Stenhouse Jr. this year, they have run better than they have in 
their previous seasons, though. There were so many tracks where they talked true. about they got their best finish. So, again, That's had a true. little bit of hope for them on that side. It unfortunately just didn't pan out. Then you got the two former champions, Kevin Harvick. Uh, surprise, no, but also could have been on the other side because we've seen him in the past go on a streak, win two in a row, even when you thought they weren't having the best year like he did last year going into the playoffs. Um, but this was, and I, I'm trying to think of the word Rodney Childers used, I mean, just an embarrassment. I mean, there is no other way to say it. Without being involved in an incident to be five, lap down, five laps down for that team at Bristol just, yeah, is not normal. Uh, then going to Joey Logano, I, I still consider this one a surprise, if you will, because it is the first time in history that we, we it always takes something to make history that a reigning champion does not make it out of the first round. Uh, that's the first time that's happened. And Sharon talked about it. It wasn't of his doing. As he said, though, we put ourselves in the back, and then when the accidents happen, you're going to be involved in it. Um, so, you know, he kind of felt like they deserved it at that point, being that they had put themselves in the back and in that position. But it could have gone so many other ways. I think there were three or four others, Martin Truex, Bubba Wallace, and Chris Busher that were back and forth in that same range. Had Joey not gotten involved in that accident, we'd be talking about one of those then as the one that's out. Mm-hmm. That's, that's true. Okay, Mike, your follow-up? Well, on the positive side, I think we're, we decided that's going to be the back half of this. Got to give a tip of the hat to Bubba Wallace and the 23 team. Uh, they fought hard and persevered. They made it by a couple points. It was it was close for them. Same with Martin Truex. That was probably the biggest surprise of the first round of the playoffs was how close Martin Truex and the number 19 team came to being eliminated after a poor run at uh, Darlington and pretty much no run at Kansas. They were out in the first five laps at Kansas, so they were effectively a no-show for Kansas, zero points there for them. Uh, and they still managed to sneak by, just showing how important it is to have those mountain of playoff points available to you. Martin mm-hmm. Truex now enters the second round of the playoffs, reset, and tied again with William Byron for the number one seed for the playoffs. So all that is water under the bridge, but you've got to wonder if the really bad first round that the 19 team had is a bit of a momentum killer because it wasn't like they were super strong at Bristol. They got by at Bristol. They didn't come in and, and have mm-hmm. that walk-off win or kind of a commanding performance. They did just enough to do what was necessary to advance. So I would say keep an eye on that number 19 team, and maybe they can right the ship, but we all know how difficult it is to regain momentum in this sport. So that 19 team may still be on the ropes, even though they've reset their points position and are back healthy again on paper, I would say the 19 is definitely a team to keep an eye on for this next round of the playoffs. Also advancing into the uh, the second round of the owners championship is the Hendrick Motorsports number nine. Remember the uh, 2311 number 23 did not make the owners championship playoffs. The 2311-23 is in the drivers championship, but not the uh, owners championship. The HMS number nine currently driven by Chase Elliott, but also driven by other drivers this year while Elliott has been out of the car, did advance into the next round from there. So those are probably your, your surprising ones that we may or may not have expected. 
other than that, I would say it's probably pretty pretty uh, expected as far as the results that we've seen so far. Going into the round of 12, this is where it starts to get more complicated and the cream starts rising to the top. Just getting by doesn't work in the round of 12 and certainly doesn't work in the round of 8. So we're going to have to see drivers really step up their game and put in a, a commanding and complete performance because those mountain of playoff points won't get you by when there's that, that cut line is so close behind you. Yeah, I think you hit on all the main points there, uh, Jay or Mike. Um, <clears throat> Bubba Wallace got in, and he very easily could have been out had Joey Logano not been in that accident. Martin Truex Jr., I have to agree, is a big surprise. Um, he's just had a horrible start uh, to the uh, playoffs, uh, but I do have to give him kudos for the fact that he's been able to hang on in order to advance to this next round and still be up there in second place. Um, it's the playoff points that are making the difference for Martin Drex Jr. He cannot go into this next round and have – uh, the three races that he had in the first round. He's got to come out uh, as strong as he can possibly be in this next round if he has any hopes of advancing on. Um, uh, I, I hope it's not going to be where we watch uh, him do just what he needs in order to get by uh, to the next round and then the real races at Phoenix. Um I, I would like to see him up there contending for the wins all the way, the rest of the way up to uh, the road to Phoenix. Um, as far as um, uh, at the top of the list, Kyle Larson seems to be the guy who has a lot of momentum on his side, along with Denny Hamlin. Um, uh, we'll see how that continues to play out. Uh, Denny Hamlin got a lot of booze, as did Bubba Wallace. And uh, the fans uh, were not happy that he won that race. But uh, we'll see how he handles it. Um, Denny Hamlin has a way of sabotaging himself by being overconfident. And uh, I, there's, there's, a, there's a fine line there where you can be really, really confident and, and back it up. And Denny Hamlin might do that. Um, but... Sometimes when you get overconfident is when you make mistakes, too. So that's the fine line that Denny Hamlin has got to walk right now uh, with his situation, and we'll see if he's able to handle it. I think Bubba Wallace is kind of in that same category um, with 2311. Um, Christopher Bell getting those poles. He's doing really well. Uh, but he can't seem to pull it off for the race win uh, when it comes to that. We'll see how he does in this next round. I thought Tyler Reddick uh, was going to be uh, uh, a strong contender. He is. He's third in the points right now. Um, I'm sorry. Is he third in the points? I'm looking at the wrong one here. Uh, no, Reddick is actually eighth in the points. So his... Um, uh, is that after the reset? Yeah, I think that's after the reset. Uh, so that's a little bit of a surprise to me. I really thought Tyler Reddick would be, would have done better. He didn't have a good run at um, 
at Bristol Motor Speedway. So we'll see what Tyler Reddick does with these next races. That should be in his wheelhouse. He should have a better run uh, going into these races. And Chris Buescher was uh, had such momentum going. Again, these next races uh, are going to uh, really kind of separate these drivers, and uh, we'll see how they play out. Uh, I think a lot of this could get jumbled up with Talladega being the middle race of this round. So it's always a wild card. And uh, a lot of things could get jumbled up. So we'll see how it plays out. Uh, Jay, your thoughts? Yeah, it started, I'm going to start at the top in this case, the positives. Uh, William Byron, again, just he was there, did what he had to do in Bristol, but back up, up reseated at the top along with uh, Martin Truex now. I'll get to him in a minute. But Kyle Larson and then Denny Hamlin. I mean, right now you kind of got to pencil those three as three of your top four, barring anything odd. Um, the positive on Martin Truex, he had the regular season he had and had those playoff mm-hmm. points as well as the regular season championship, with, which came with 15, because he needed them. And this wasn't really about Bristol, because Bristol is not exactly his best track, uh, short tracks in general, but Bristol specifically. So he had about an average finish. Uh, Mike mentioned it of Kansas. That's just horribly bad luck. Uh, again, I think it was lap three or five or something when his something on his car broke, uh, went into the wall and took him out, and he finished dead last. So Darlington, again, didn't have the good finish you would expect. But I'm not concerned as far as, uh, as the momentum and everything because that was just one of those of the way it went. Bristol did not add to that bad luck. That's just their normal run for Bristol. Um, Bubba Wallace, you got to give it to you again. I think the word persevered. Um, you know, and that was his response to the booing was, that's okay. Nobody wants to count us in this. We're still here. Um, as far as that, as far as positive. The two teams have taken positives, and I know we mentioned Chris Busher as one of those that could have been on the wrong side of it, but two two-car teams, RFK and 2311 both of their drivers have advanced. So four that advanced are not from your mega powerhouse teams. And you mentioned Tyler mm-hmm. Reddick. You got the win again, maybe just coasting or whatever, figuring that, you know, he's know he's knows he's in, um, didn't have to necessarily perform at Bristol other than to build up some playoff points, which would have put him a little further into the next round, um, which still is applicable, obviously. So, there were a lot of things. Overall, the race, I know uh, that's where the pole percentage came in. It's still got that short track. They need to work on a little bit. I don't know if I'd have ranked it as low as a 61% approval rate, but it certainly still isn't what we're looking for as far as the old Bristol um, racing that we've seen. Yeah, I heard a lot of that on Sirius XM today as well. Uh, okay, Mike, do you want to uh, bring up the next hot topic? Sure, I certainly will. And this is going to be probably the first part of a two-part topic. Earlier this weekend, it was announced that Live Fast Motorsports, BJ McLeod's race team, has sold their charter to Spire Motorsports for an eye-watering $40 million. So there's your new benchmark for what a NASCAR Cup Series charter is apparently worth. 
One charter sold for $40 million. And we could probably talk about what Spire is going to be doing with that in the uh, follow-up topic. But just a discussion on the, uh, the sale of the charter itself right now, I think. Okay, Jay. Well, this is one of those when you tell a story, let's not exaggerate, okay, just to make a specific point or effect. It was $37 million, not 40. <laughs> you know, uh, I don't remember how I heard it said uh, something about, well, what's another $3 million between friends or you know, whatever, but um, that's ridiculous, absolutely outrageous. I, I understand the intent of the charter system, but it's not doing what it was designed to do, and, in my opinion. Um, I understand they want to have something of value when they opt to get out, got it, and trying to keep this on a positive side. But when they brought them, there were certain teams that, because they were in the certain spots in the top 36 in owner's points that year, that they were awarded one. Uh, BJ McLeod Motorsports, and from what I heard today, this one's even more complicated. That isn't even necessarily McLeod's charter fully. It still belonged partially to was leased from Joe Falk, and I can't remember the other name that got thrown out there that also still kind of had partial ownership. And that's where, especially in those bottom positions where it got real murky, it was supposed to be if you didn't finish in the top 33, the bottom three, if you didn't finish above that for three consecutive years, NASCAR would take the charter and give it to a more or a different team and hopefully get some competitiveness. They manipulated that, mm-hmm. they move it around, lease it out and everything, and work the system. And that's where I think the flaw came in. Now, though, you're talking about, and, and again, part of the next-gen car plan and everything, and I heard some of this on Dave Moody, I understand there's a counter side to it, but the idea was to make it less expensive for a team to come in and be involved in NASCAR at the top level. If you're talking about having to buy a charter for $40 million, just to even be guaranteed to get into the race, I mean, that's what some teams are working their entire season on as far as a budget of a big-time sponsor, you know. So you're already in the hole. I mean, I understand Junior's point. I'm not paying that. You know, that's just, I mean, in my opinion, like I said, absolutely ridiculous. And I'm trying to say this nicely, but especially for a team like B.J. McLeod's that really didn't, I don't want to say it didn't earn it, um, but if a, if a charter were going to be sold for that amount, I would think it would be one of HMSs or JGRs, you know, because they've built that team that it's always been in the top 10 in points, you know, so the money that goes with it as far as, because you get money based off where that charter team finished. If you sell the charter, that puts them in that position. You know, there I could maybe even understand it, but I still think it's absolutely ridiculous. Obviously not encouraging new teams it took two teams to pool together in order to come up with this as it's a partnership Um, from my understanding it is spire motorsports that now owns the charter they have already agreed to lease it to track house for at least one year with zane smith and then have some type of alliance slash partnership yeah that's my understanding as well jay but and i have to agree with you i think it's just crazy $40 $40 million, $37 million is a lot of money. And uh, that team just doesn't seem to me to be worth that much money. Um, 
I, and I nothing against B.J. McLeod. I like B.J. McLeod, but but I think this is uh, there's something wrong with this system. And I agree with Dale Jr. I wouldn't pay it either. If I had it, I wouldn't pay it. Um, I, I just think it's uh, gotten out of hand. I think NASCAR needs to review this and uh, really uh, figure out how they can fix that. I don't know what the solution is. I wish I did. Um, but uh, I think it's ridiculous to pay $40 million or $37 million for a team. Um but you're right. I think the whole idea is they're trying to get a seat uh, for Zane Smith. They made the that's the other part of this um, to drive uh, for Trackhouse Racing, and uh, this is the way that they had to go about it. I suspect it's twenty thousand from Spire and twenty thousand from, um, or at least some combination of that. It might not be a fifty-fifty split. It might be a, a forty-sixty split. Uh, between what they paid toward that $40 million. Uh, but it doesn't make sense uh, to pay that much for a charter, um, and, and this charter in particular. Um, and I, 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 I wish I had more to say about it. I just think it's ridiculous. I don't know what the solution is, uh, but I'm hoping NASCAR is looking at this and trying to come up with a solution uh, to get these prices uh, more in line. Uh, because this is kind of out there in la-la land. Mike? I don't know that NASCAR needs to necessarily worry about the prices for the charters. I think what they need to do is be more focused on the behavior surrounding the charters. Um, My family, probably of anybody who's who's in NASCAR, my family's probably closest to B.J. McLeod. We hung out with him a lot when we were in Florida. Really, really great dude, really smart on the business, and he knows the business very, very well. And he was in the racing wow. business and still is. He's not getting out. He was in the racing business. Oh, you got to say your thing. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I, I agree with you. I like B.J. McLeod. Um, I just don't like the way these prices are going. But go ahead. Well, while you're interjected here, you want to say your piece since we're at that time? Oh, are we at that time? Oh, we are. Um, thank you, Mike. Uh, we make an announcement for our first-time listeners at this point in time uh, just to let you know that we are going to go off the air at exactly 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And uh, uh, that means that you're going to hear us go off the air while we're mid-sentence and still talking about our hot topics. Uh, So we're going to record the rest of that conversation so that it can be part of our bonus overtime material on our podcast. So uh, what will happen is I'll go out on uh, Twitter and Facebook to let you know that the podcast is available. And at that point, you can fast forward to the two-hour mark in order to hear the rest of that conversation. Uh, Now, we're available uh, via podcast at iTunes and iHeartRadio and TuneIn and a lot of other uh, avenues as well. So you can listen to it at any of those players. Uh, you can just fast forward to that two-hour mark, as well as the player that's uh, at our fanforracing.com website. So with that, uh, Mike, continue your conversation, and I will try to not interject. <laughs> oh, sure, no problem. Anyway, but, yeah, regarding BJ, um, he is a racer. Don't get me wrong. He's a very good one at that, but he's a businessman first. And his business model, and he wasn't the only one, was to make money on a race car. 
And you don't necessarily need to win races to make money on the race car. You win it by selling the seat. You win it by selling sponsorship. Uh, and you, uh, you, you make money by sitting on a charter until it's worth $40 million, apparently. So that's, that's kind of what he did there. And I, I can't fault him for that. And same thing with uh, uh, there's always been the suspicion that Rick Ware Racing is more of a charter holding company than an actual race car team because, well, I mean, we've seen the lack of performance and the lack of improvement from Rick Ware Racing year over year over year. And really the only conclusion that can be drawn from that or reasonably drawn from that is he's not in it to win races. He's in it to make money. So now Rick Ware Racing is sitting on, I believe, three charters. And if they're all worth $40 million, well, there's $120 million sitting in Rick Ware's pocket. So I think if NASCAR wants to address this problem, step one, if they believe that this is a problem, like, like it sounds like all three of us do, but if they believe that this is a problem, I think the way to do it is to address the, the bottom of the, of the list kind of behavior. Instead of being a three-year, you have to surrender the charter kind of thing, one year. You know, the, the bottom three or the bottom five charters in any given year are revoked from the team back to NASCAR with no compensation. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know that they'd be able to pull that off. They might probably they probably couldn't make that modification to the existing charter deal. That would probably have to be done in the renewal of the charter agreement that's due up uh, starting at the 2025 season. But I think that would be one of the the changes that I think NASCAR should make right now. If you are in that bottom three or bottom five, it doesn't matter if you are leasing the charter or if you are the owner of the charter that charter is revoked and goes to nascar so to involve to include leased charters in there that kind of it 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 gives an incentive to a charter owner to vet their leasing opportunity of hey i'm not going to lease my charter to some scrub team that is, that's going to get it revoked now am i and i think that is that may help improve the performance here where you have the incentive where the teams must perform or they're out it's almost a little bit like Premier League soccer where you have to qualify for the top tier every single year, and if you don't, you're out. You can get busted back down. It would be the equivalent of a NASCAR team getting – a Cup Series team getting busted back down to the Xfinity Series. Uh, if you don't perform, you're out. And I don't know that we need to necessarily say, nope, you've got to race Xfinity next year, but I think a – a legitimate threat of having your charter revoked and making you run as an open team for the next year or buy that charter back from NASCAR, something along those lines, that may be the incentive that's necessary to get teams to actually try to win these races instead of just showing up, collecting a check, and going home every week. Okay, Jay, your follow-up? Yeah, I was trying to do some research there back to going back as far as uh, track house racing. Um, Two, three years ago, at that time, the charters were going for 10 to 12, I think is what was estimated. That's $24 million. Uh, Trackhouse, Justin Marks and Trackhouse found it better to buy an entire operation, Chip Ganassi Racing, which came with the two charters, the assets and all from the team inside the building. Now, the property went separate to uh, Hendrick, Motor, uh, Hendrick Automotive Group. Um, but that, they found that more profitable to buy out to an entire team and get the two charters. Now you're talking about paying double that for one of just the charter. I mean, that just doesn't mm-hmm. make sense. I know, I think it was Brad Keselowski maybe that had said something about the whole bump them down, you have to move to the Xfinity series. Um, yeah, that's, I don't think the answer if you say you can't run in the Cup series 
but something needs to be addressed. And and Mike, you know, hit hit him on it right. Um, the one thing is what little I heard today on SiriusXM of even talking about that possibility. Um, first off, how does NASCAR go say this year or next year? Uh, I know they got the agreement coming up where they're going to talk about the charter system, but to say okay, if and yeah, I don't know if you can go one year. But if for two years, no matter where that charter goes, or you're not going to manipulate the system, you have to sell it back to NASCAR. Okay, what's the standard? You say $10 million. Okay, well, these guys that just paid $40 million are going to be a little upset. But that was their decision. So there's a fine line there of what does NASCAR pay and then resell it for to whoever is going to buy it. I do think they need to do something, though, as far as, hey, if you're not going to be competitive, year in, year out, then we are going to make you forfeit it um, one way or another. So I do think that, and like I said, the rule is there. They just found a way to manipulate it, and and I've never liked that. Um, I'm with Sharon. I don't know that I have necessarily the fixed action um, other than I'm in favor of it, but that charter doesn't guarantee you the starting spot. You don't qualify. You don't race, you know, if you're not one of the fastest 36 or 40, whatever the limit is. And right now there's only been 36 because there's only 36 guaranteed spots. Teams aren't willing to come in and try and race their way in because they're not racing their way in. They're trying to race for one of four spots. Okay, If you have a charter, even if you don't qualify, you get a little bit extra bonus money because you hold the charter. I'm all for that. That's fine. But at least give somebody else the opportunity if they race their way in to start the race and make their money on the track by racing. You know, that's that's my biggest thing. It should be about the racing. Yeah, somehow the value has to be applied to the charter based on where you run. If you're running in the in the thirtieth uh, place and back, uh, it, you should not be uh, as valuable as a car that's running in the top 10 on a consistent basis. So there needs to be a cap, I think, uh, for those charters uh, based on where they run. And I agree with you. They have to be able to qualify. And and I do think it's a good idea uh, that if, if, um, if they're not seeding, at the top level of NASCAR, then they shouldn't be in the top level of NASCAR. Bump those teams back to Xfinity or back to the Truck Series, uh, but bump them out of an, of the NASCAR Cup Series, and and uh, they they're not going to get as much if they're getting bumped out due to non-performance. Um, so yeah, I like that idea. Uh, whether or not that's realistic, I don't know. Uh, NASCAR, I'm sure. I hope that NASCAR is looking at that and coming up with some plans. But I think that the value should be placed on where they run uh, versus just by the mere fact that they ran a race. Uh, that should not be as valuable as somebody who's running in the top ten on a consistent basis. Mike? Well, it's kind of a vicious cycle, right? Because we, we're talking about, oh, well, let's give these other teams a chance. Let's, let's uh, let mm-hmm. them race in on speed. What, what other teams? 
There were 36 that showed up to Bristol. Only charter teams show up to Bristol. We've had several other races this year, probably half the races this year, where we haven't even had a full 40-car field, let alone anybody going home. So, yeah, it's great to say let's, let's open it up, let the charter teams have to race their way in on time and all that, but there's nobody, there's nobody showing up right now as it is. And I understand there's a bit of a vicious cycle there of, well, how much of that other team's not showing up has to do with the cost of entry of getting a charter. If we made the charters go away, would more teams show up? Maybe yes, maybe no. But right now it's not like there's a whole bunch of people knocking down the door trying to just get their opportunity to get into the series here. So if if NASCAR did that and pulled the rug out from underneath the charter system, there's no guarantee that we're going to have a huge influx of additional teams. Maybe Trackhouse or 2311, they expand up to four cars, something like that. But, I don't know that we're going to have this huge, huge influx of a, another half a dozen brand-new, never-before-seen teams. Maybe I'd be wrong. I don't know. But right now, it doesn't look like there's a huge demand for additional NASCAR Cup Series teams because even without a charter, it is extremely expensive to get into the NASCAR Cup Series. Just one of the race cars, just the race car, is about $350,000 mm-hmm. right there. And that's, that's not counting all the overhead involved in actually putting the race car on the track. So you're looking at just to do a single race in a NASCAR Cup Series, it wouldn't surprise me if it's a million dollars or more just to show up to one single race for the NASCAR Cup Series. So it's a very difficult proposition for somebody to say, oh, well, we don't need a charter anymore. Let's go Cup Series racing. I'm sure, I'm sure some people would. Dale Jr. probably would be one of them. Maybe somebody else currently racing in the Xfinity Series or the Truck Series, they might start up a NASCAR Cup Series operation. But I don't know that we're going to see the 45 to 50 teams like we did in the mid-2000s back when it was wide open and the sport was extremely popular. We may eventually get there, but I don't think it's just the charter system preventing that from happening right now. So go, we talked about this a couple weeks weeks ago with the renegotiation of the charter agreement, NASCAR is in a very difficult position right here because there is so mm-hmm. much value wrapped up in, in those in those charter agreements. NASCAR could end up in court if they decide they want to they, they want to mess with that value proposition too much or they could break the face of the teams or split the sport. You know, the RTA could say we're going to take our, our race teams and go race for somebody who doesn't pull the rug out from under us. So we got to be real careful about what we do here because there's a lot of landmines to step on. And, oh, by the way, we've only got about 15 months to sort this thing out. So it's going to be a lot to figure out yeah. here in a very short window of opportunity. Yep, the slippery slope for sure for NASCAR. You bring up some good points, Mike. Um, and I'm not advocating to eliminate the charter system. I just think that there needs to be uh, some caps on the value for cars that run in the back. Okay. Um, Jay, what's our next topic? Can I, can I, I was going to say, can sure. I get another half around there on that? When you look sure. at it, when we went to, and I'm saying 40 cars, uh, maybe one or two going home, that happened around the time frame of the charters and the locked in. Uh, it's only been in the last year that you're right. Right now we are down to 36 and that is the charter teams, but that is a huge part of it. I'm not saying all of it. You mentioned Junior Motorsports has talked about it, won't pay for the charter. Well, they're not going to try and go if they're not guaranteed that spot, or again, only have the option of trying to run for one of four spots. Denny Hamlin has talked about expanding with 2311. Trackhouse has expressed interest. Obviously, they had to go about it the way they did. 
right? There's three of them. That gives you 39. You're talking about one or two others. I mean, I do think that you would have, especially, I know we haven't seen it yet, as the next-gen car sorts itself out. We haven't seen the full effect of that being cost-effective, but it's only the second what, second year in with it. Um, as that settles in, there again, I think that that's part of what they're waiting for. I know some teams are looking at the TV rights deal and where that goes as far as ownership, what owners and racers get, uh, the teams get um, from that cut. So I think next year there's a lot hinging on, as Mike talked about, the next uh, TV rights negotiation as well as the charter system. Um, but I, I do think that is a huge, huge part of it. Okay, Jay, do you know what our next hot topic is going to be? That I will go with um, somebody put up a clash to, uh, to return to the Colosseum, which I have no idea what it is. It was a word, and I put it up there, and I decided <laughs> that wasn't the right word. But the Bushlight class is going to return to the L.A. Memorial Coliseum in 2024 as a non-points event. Okay. Uh, Mike, your thoughts about the class at the Coliseum? And I think they said this would be the last year. Did they say that? It's hard to hear anything about the last year's Coliseum. Again, we got so many things, and I know that leads into Brian's topic of the schedule. I'm skirting on the edge of getting into his topic, but I figured we could do this (laughs) one separate. Okay, Mike, what were you going to say? Well, I mean, I guess Jay didn't take the easy layoff. We, we thought we were going to talk about who's going to be driving that recently purchased uh, charter. We can get to that next time. Uh, anyway, with regard to the Colosseum or Kaleidoscope, I don't know, wherever, the, wherever they're going to be racing these cars <laughs> at. Uh, <laughs> I've got to make fun of Jay's illiteracy somehow. Anyway, um, with, especially with losing Fontana, it's no surprise that NASCAR wanted to stay in the Los Angeles market. Uh, and the, the, I don't, I, I have not seen that it's only one more year in the Coliseum. Maybe it is, but then where are they going to go? Because, like I just said, they're not going to leave South Car- uh, Southern California if they can at all afford to do it. Uh, and we know Fontana is not going to be ready anytime soon, if ever, uh, with that reconfiguration that they were allegedly going to do. Um, Recent reports of Stephen, I've shown pictures of them tearing down some grandstands there. Uh, but as far as actually moving right along and building a new racetrack there in Fontana or somewhere else in the Los Angeles market, we really haven't seen that. So really the Coliseum is all they have left unless they want to try and set up a street course in Los Angeles. That's a completely different discussion with a whole bunch of other logistics. Obviously they pulled one off in Chicago, so it's possible but we saw the challenges of doing it in Chicago and Los Angeles would be a whole new set of challenges. Yes, they learned a lot of lessons with making Chicago happen, but only some of those are going to apply to doing it in a place like Los Angeles. So maybe they could, maybe they won't. What I am glad to see that it is still just the clash. That is a cool racetrack there in the Coliseum, but there's no way they could hold a whole 36 to 40 car field on that quarter mile racetrack it's already kind of a mess as it is it's fun it's entertaining but i really wouldn't want to call that a points race so the the concern that i had when fontana was going away with no immediate replacement in the area is that they're going to somehow try and make the coliseum a points race to replace the fontana points race in southern california so fortunately at least they haven't done that with regard to the future of the coliseum i don't know i mean it's kind of a unique and a cool thing 
I don't know that I like that the traditional clash has moved over to Los Angeles. I get why NASCAR did it, but at the same time, I think they lost a little bit of tradition in there. Um, so we'll take it what we can get. Uh, we know for 2024 what it's going to be. And, well, we don't even know the rest of the 2024 schedule. There's been little bits and pieces that have snuck out there. Uh, but let's, let's wait till we get to the rest of the schedule before we start worrying about what 2025 and beyond is going to have. Okay. Yeah, let's talk about what we do know. We do know that the Bushlight Clash at the Coliseum will be February 4th. Uh, the Daytona 500 on February the 18th, and the Cup Series finale on November 3rd. So those are the three races uh, that have been announced. They also told us that the two races at Bristol Motor Speedway would be on concrete, no dirt race uh, expected for Bristol for next season. What we also know is that there was a when we first went to the Coliseum, it was a three-year deal, and this will be the third year in 2024 uh, that we've had the clash at the Coliseum. So they would have to put together another deal if they want to be there longer than the three years. Uh, so that's a TBD, I guess, uh, <clears throat> and and hopefully we'll hear more about that. Uh, I did hear some rumbling that we might get more information about the class, about uh, the schedule coming out at some point during this week. So watch for that to be coming as well. I like the Bush Clash at the Coliseum. I think they've done a good job with it. We all know why they did it. Um, with, like you say, Fontana uh, being redone and closed down. Uh, I don't know if there's going to be a race at Fontana this year. Uh, Sal was kind of talking about that on the earlier part of the show. Um, it, it's going to be interesting to see if they even have a race uh, at Fontana. I think they've torn up the, the original two-mile track, so I don't know if it's even feasible to have a race at Fontana. Uh, this season, and I don't know that the short track is going to be ready. Now, I could be totally wrong on all counts in that regard, but uh, that's a TBD as well, and I suppose we'll find out when the schedule comes out. Um, <clears throat> but I like the race at the Coliseum. If if it's three years, I'm okay with that. If it's If they go somewhere else next year, uh, I'm okay with that as well. Uh, like Mike said, we lost a little bit of the tradition by taking it out to California. I think that they had good reasons for taking it out to California um, and doing what they're doing out there. Uh, but it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what what's the next phase of this. Uh, and uh, I think the schedule for 2024 uh, will, well, the 2025 schedule is the one that will be most revealing to us. But uh, it's, it's going to be fun to see what else is on the 24th schedule. It might give us a few indications. Jay? Well, I guess I'll start with uh, talking about the tradition part of it. Tradition was we ran these 36 races, the same date, the same racetrack for how many years? That has, traditions mm-hmm. have changed. Uh, you talk about the Chicago street race. Of the Bristol dirt, whatever it be, you know, there there is a certain amount that you got to adjust to, and I think NASCAR is doing a great job with that. With that, you're looking at, from what I've seen, three-year deals and then moving to something different. The Chicago street race was supposed to be a three-year deal. 
we may only get two out of that. There's been talk about that running That's again true. this is 2024, but not maybe in 2025. Um, and again, I'm trying real hard to not get into the the Brian topic <laughs> when it comes to Road America, but you know this all ties in the Bristol Dirt Race. We've heard it already. Going back to two concrete races, talk about the Rovals. Now I know they've been more than three years, uh, I think, but talking about going back to the Indianapolis uh, Brickyard on the oval track, not the road course within it, Charlotte going back to the mile and a half. And again, there's other things that come into play, but certain things have just run its course. Now, the one thing, so I say maybe it is somewhere else in, in uh, 2025 after this year, but then you also look at, and I don't know, Sharon, if you, if you said this when you were reading through that, there's going to be an additional race as well as the NASCAR Mexico Series um, mm-hmm. will be held on February 24th. So they're adding a race to it. That implies that they're trying to keep it there and build it up even more so. So that part of it, I was like, well, maybe it is, a, you know, that they're looking to do another deal and they're trying to build it up by having the Mexico Series race there, which I think is a great thing. Again, great thing. Um, but what that means then as far as future, don't know. As you said, we only have a few limited things where we've heard dates or specifics when it comes to Bristol of going to the concrete but they sneak that in there, it says, for both races. And we know we thought one of them dates was going to North Wilkesboro. So, again, don't know that yet either. Yep, yep. Mike, your follow-up? Really nothing more to add here. Uh, the, at this point, kind of like Jay said, I, he did bring up a good point about things tend to run their course. And with some of the novelty stuff that NASCAR has been doing, I don't want to call some of the stuff a gimmick, but definitely novelty stuff. The, the Charlotte Robo is a good example. The Bristol Dirt Race is an example. And I would even put the Chicago Street Course in there as an example of novelty kind of races that they're doing to try something different. Uh, Jay makes a really good point when he says those things do tend to run their course over time. Has the Charlotte Robo, for example, run its course? I don't know. I enjoy it. It's fun. It's different. Uh, With how road course racing currently is with the Gen 7 car, I would say that it has definitely run its course if it's going to if it's going to race like the other road courses that we've had so far this year. Um, but then again, I, I do enjoy that Charlotte Roval. It tends to be a fairly decent race there on a unique track. Um, but the, the specifically the LA Coliseum that we're talking about here, I would say this year is probably going to be make or break for for this race. Uh, it's been fun and it's been entertaining, but I think a lot of that has to do with just how unique and different it is. Um, this year is going to be the third year running it. The uniqueness and the differentness and the newness of it is going to be gone. So really this year it's going to have to stand on its own as a race, and it's going to have to be judged based on its merits, not on the, the technical achievement of putting a racetrack into a football stadium like that or any of the other non-racing-related things that we've used to kind of prop up this event. We really are going to need to evaluate this event on its merits. And – it's, it's been entertaining, but has it been good racing? Objectively, it's tough to say yes. 
So maybe this year is going to be a little bit different. I guess next year is going to be a little bit different. Uh, that's what we're really going to have to, to pay attention to as race fans with regard to whether we really do want to keep going to the L.A. Coliseum. Because as we've seen in the past, when things do run their course, they tend to get extremely stale, extremely fast, and it really becomes frustrating when we keep going back to things that everyone is pretty well over. So hopefully the L.A. Coliseum doesn't become that. But I think if this year is not a good race in and of itself, I think it kind of it runs the danger of going down that road. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I do like that they are bringing the next Scar Mexico series uh, to be run ahead of the Bushlight Clash for the Cup Series. So it's two races on the same day uh, at the L.A. Uh, Memorial Coliseum. And uh, I think that's a good idea as well. So that's the only thing I, I will uh, add my thoughts to <laughs> as far as uh, this topic. So, Jay, you can wrap it up. Well, I forgot one thing when you're, we were talking about tradition. Uh, it used to be that Bush Clash was the Bush Pole Award Clash. We've gone away from that, too. Anybody can race their way in now with the heat races. Everybody is eligible to at least to attempt to it. So that was another part that there was a change when you're talking about moving away from tradition. we got to make, become mm-hmm. new traditions. But as far as the Coliseum, and, and Mike and I kind of always disagree on this, of whether or not a race is interesting. I have found it to be interesting. Granted, it was something new and different. I get that as he's kind of referring to as the gimmick or novelty aspect to it. But I thought it was decent racing. And, again, it provided with the heat racing and racing your way in an interesting aspect, which I'm used to from the dirt track side. But as he pointed out, if it's uh, um, something that the novelty or whatever is going to wear off, don't wait until it hits rock bottom and be like, man, we have no choice but to do something else, which is what I think NASCAR is trying to do, the, the dirt race. And, again, I got no problem with it going away. They did it for three years. I felt it was good and was improving every year. But if they want to move on and try and do something different or whatever, I'm okay with that too because, like you said, you don't want it to hit rock bottom where they're, they're, they're getting nobody in the stands and it's not profitable. And then they're like, okay, now we've got to come up with something else. They're trying to stay ahead of that. Same goes with the, you know, I think maybe the Chicago street race. Or, you know, and then moving that to another city is, okay, it's different. And from a business aspect, I understand, just like we were talking about with the Coliseum and Auto Club, you want to uh, particular markets or whatever that you want to try and hit. But I think there, too, they're looking at, okay, maybe for a year or two we're here, we'll move it somewhere else, come back to that. So when we come back, it's fresh again um, to try and maximize that and stay on top of it rather than the same races on the same dates for the same year that way they went through in the past and just wasn't working no more. So I think that's where, what we're looking at. Um, now, whether or not, the, again, the Coliseum race um, is at that point, don't know. We'll have to wait and see. And lastly, I just wanted to point out, Mike, there, when you said you were going to make fun of me, yet again, as I did on the uh, fantasy group, I beat you to it. I made fun of myself already when I posted it because I couldn't correct it and edit it either. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, we're really coming up to the top of the hour here, so it's time for us to do our roundtable. Mike, do you want to kick us off there? Sure, it's going to be Mike underscore on uh, Twitter, Mike double underscore O on Reddit. Um, 
I should be available on Thursday. I don't know. I'll let you know. Uh, good talking to you all. I look forward to talking to you all again at whenever that next time is. Uh, no real racing activities planned coming up here. Uh, a lot of sitting on the couch and watching racing, which is, you know, it's going to be the time of year where that's probably about the best thing to do anyway. Okay. Um, Jay? You still around, Jay? Uh -oh. oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I must have missed that if you threw it to me. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, my sitting is sitting in my vehicle uh, up and down the road. Uh, as I mentioned tonight, I was at a, another county fair, and that's what I'm doing for a couple of days. I get to be at my house for, I think, a day and a half, and then I'll be back on the road to another part of Tennessee for another couple of motocross events. So I'm not done uh, done with racing yet as far as just being able to sit back and watch it on the couch. But glad we got done early tonight, actually, so I could come on here and be a part of this. I always love the hot topics portion of this uh, with Fan for Racing, Blog Talk Radio. Yeah, you oh, and, and my social media. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, Mopar MJ, uh, Mopar MJ8 on Twitter and Instagram, and Michael Hoosman on Facebook, and you can see uh, a lot of the fair food I'm eating. I'm not going to show. I'm not going to. I'm not going <laughs> to post a picture of my scale when I get home. Oh boy. All right. I am Pam Racing site on Twitter and Pam Racing blog and radio on our um, uh, Facebook as well as the website. And I, too, I do have a race coming up uh, in mid-October. I'll be going out to Las Vegas again. Uh, I don't know if we'll go through Utah. We might take the southern route this time and uh, see how that goes. But uh, uh, definitely looking forward to going to all the races uh, that will be at uh, Las Vegas Motor Speedway in the middle of October. Um, and then... Um, I, uh, there was something else I wanted to say, um, and I've forgotten it. I did, I did, uh, give our condolences with regard to the news about Sherry Pollock's, uh, I know she'll be sorely missed, uh, within the NASCAR community and, uh, all of our sincere condolences, uh, to, to everyone involved there. Um, and then, uh, Jay, you and I will be back for the podcast on Thursday, uh, and hopefully Mike will be able to join us in, as well as Andy and Brian, uh, and we'll be able to kind of pick up on that piece that we missed, Mike, uh, in our hot topic discussion here tonight. Uh, but we have a long list, and I think we'll have some more things uh, to talk about on Thursday as well. Well, maybe, so, maybe by then that one officially be official, officially. <laughs> and there you go. Uh, yeah, it's always nice when it, it's officially official. Um, and then uh, also a shout-out to our listeners for tuning in. We always appreciate those guys. And uh, tonight it was uh, Sal, uh, Andy, not Andy, Andy didn't make it, but Jay and Mike all making it uh, to our uh, show here for tonight. So a big shout-out to you guys as well. With that, we'll call it a wrap. Have a good night. All right, good night I'll night talk everybody. to you on Thursday. Okay, looking forward to Thursday's show. Good night.
Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.